Welcome back to the Dion Hippie Podcast. This is episode 9. This episode is going to be featuring Scott Dion. Scott Dion is uh, someone that I've known for several years, seen him around the dunes, but have actually never really had a really long conversation. And uh, this one is going to be a long one today because Scott can talk. I was forewarned from uh, his buddy Ricky when I got him on, that, uh, which it worked out great because I think this podcast went well. We got a lot of Silver Lake uh, stories in there. And Scott's been around the scene for a long time. He's been involved in a lot of different things. Um, some stuff that's been here and gone away and things that are currently going on. So he's, uh, seen a lot of different things and has a lot of different stories. He's been a lot involved with a lot of different cars and different people up here. So super dope to get him on and actually get a lot of, uh, stories out there like he did. So thank him for sharing and, uh, thank him also for what he does with Sandflix, taking the pictures that he does. Um, photographers like him, there's several other photographers out there on the dunes, but uh, getting those pictures, I know I appreciate all the time. I'm out there enough, and I get plenty of pictures of my truck. Uh, you know, and Scott is one of those people that I get to see plenty of pictures because of guys like him. So I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. It is a long one, but I think you'll enjoy it. Here is episode number nine with Scott Dion and the Dune Hippie Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. My name is Scott Dion. Um, most people will probably recognize me from standing out on the dunes, taking pictures all day. But beyond that, I've done a lot of maintenance, fabrication, uh, tuning work for years since I first moved here. And then through uh, B&L the whole time we had that and now back on my own again. So kind of, uh, I guess, what uh, type of work are you guys getting associated with? Like you... You kind of, uh, for me, you've been like one of those people of like a name that like I've always seen around or like, I've always seen you on the dunes with the camera, but then exactly like I'm in my truck doing my thing. I've never really had like a really long conversation to know your background of, you know, yeah, I remember seeing you at the B&L days when that was around. And then since you've been doing that, I just, yeah, what do you kind of do to stay busy and the type of stuff you're working on? Um, still do a lot of fab work. I got the full fab shop, so I do everything from, I'm doing a lot of side-by-side cages now and accessories. Done complete sand car builds. Um, I've done a few things with the pre-runner trucks, not a lot. I did a full engine cage and back half on a truck this last winter. And, uh, of course, constantly gluing Ricky's truck back together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, at about three in the morning, because he wants to play the next day. But, yeah, it's, uh. And I do a lot of shock tuning and shock rebuilds. Shock stuff. I probably do this year alone. I probably did north of two hundred shocks throughout the year. Wow. Okay. Um, so and uh, what? What then? I guess I'm curious for you. What was like? Because you were just saying that you were you didn't grow up from this area. So where did you nope. kind of grow up from Michigan? You from Michigan, born yep, and raised? I'm and then, from Michigan. I grew up in Clarkston, Michigan. Actually, um, okay. Pine Knob Music Theater was pretty much my backyard growing up. But come to the dunes my whole life. My parents discovered the dunes uh, the year, well, my mom was actually pregnant with me. Um, and they were big drag racers. Mom and dad met each other drag racing each other. And they okay. were all into horsepower and racing and having fun. But they knew they were going to start a family and saw the dunes as their outlet for how they were going to get their horsepower fixed. But yet the whole family was going to get to enjoy it. They knew they went to the drag strip. They'd have fun all day racing, but as kids, we would be just on the sidelines having no fun at all. <laughs> yep. So yeah, parents are having fun, and you're sitting there going, "This is cool," but yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah, my dad was instantly obsessed with the place. Actually, on their way back home from here, my dad bought a Corvair car on the side of the road because, well, back then it was either Volkswagen or Corvair, and my dad didn't want no damn Volkswagen. Yeah. So yeah, what was what was the uh, what was on the dunes? What? Pretty curious. So do you remember like about what year then that would have been, and what was like you remember the uh, the mass populace of vehicles that you saw in the dunes? Like what populated back then in that era for the dunes? Yeah, the Corvair a lot of cars. trucks and then a lot of your Volkswagen style buggies, some like, Corvair buggies, just pan big, buggies. huge lifted. Yep. U spring li- U spring leaves. Yep. Lift them up. Yep. Throw Forty fours on, on them. them. Um, you know, I, I hate to. to age myself but you know when i was a little kid coming here we could still drive right down into lake michigan i yeah. remember seeing guys would park out they'd drive out sometimes they'd drive all the way out to the first sandbar that's what i've, I've heard stories enough. of that of there used to be like contests of yeah yep. how far, many sandbars out you could get the bigger truck i remember guys out. driving the trucks out into the water and washing them in the in lake michigan <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah the uh, epa probably doesn't yeah probably, yep, yep. <laughs> things have changed same thing with the water <laughs> holes down there in the trees you, you see where they're uh they've got them roped off now but you know we got real pull real picture pictures from oh, when yeah, i was the, a kid of bog back bogs in back in there and the guys in huge trucks just buried down in the mud and the water yeah. and see that's all a little little breed my time i've only ever seen pictures i never got to experience that stuff only hear the stories yeah we so as a family we came and it, and it became a group it was my mom and dad, and my aunt and uncle, and then cousins, and it just seemed like everybody in the family that we brought here, the next year they'd be back with a toy. Same yeah. thing with friends, neighbors, friends. We'd bring them, and there was very few of them that didn't say, we want to do this. Yep. And the group just kept growing and growing. So every year in July, for two weeks, this whole group, we would come in, and we'd actually, we actually stayed at a campground called Golden Dunes, which was on Silver Lake, which is not even there anymore. Okay, yeah. Um, originally stayed there for till it closed, and then we moved to what was Jellystone, but it was Tall Timbers at that time. But we would literally take up the entire back row of a campground. Our group was so big every year. Of people, all, and at that time, you're still yep. over in Clarkson area yeah. driving. Yeah, most of them were coming from over the side of the state we were on. And okay, you know, it it grew. I have my great aunts; both were widows. That we, we we all went together and built them a little pink doom buggy. I mean, it was just a family thing. It was just so that's. Probably, yeah, right there is what sparked, uh, I guess then from there, the uh, interest of Dunes got sparked, but then what from there got the uh, fabrication stuff going? Was that just the fact that you knew so many people into it and you just were, I mean... Not really. Um, I had done a lot of fabric, uh, like in the race car world. Um, Before I moved here, I worked in aviation uh, for about 15 years, and we were closely associated with the Colettas. So I spent a lot of time down at Coletta Motorsport Shop, which is their NHRA top fuel teams. Okay. And I was the guy that every chance I got to go there, I was with the Oberhoffers, with LaHaye's. I was learning asking questions and was obsessed with the fab shop in particular. They were building okay. their own chassis Anything they'd there. give you, you took it. Yep. I spent a lot of time around Roush. Um, saw a lot of their chass- NASCAR chassis being built. Okay. And then my dad, when we got our first doom buggy, you couldn't even, that was before Apple Tree even started offering a frame. Okay, yep. So luckily, my dad happened to work with Bill Waddell, who's kind of a legend in early 80s dune lore. Okay. He was king of the hill for many years. He raced Baja 500, Baja 1000. This is who actually got Dan Badeau started. Um, but my dad had gone to him and had our first frame built. Our okay. first uh, doom buggy frame. My so dad didn't want no floor pan. It was a, a legitimate tube chassis. 
you know, traditional style buggy, but with a Corvair motor in it. Yep. And so that, and then beyond that, I got into school and got into aviation, went in, had a knack for welding, was sent to school for welding and did a lot of weld work and fab work at the airport, um, the company I worked for. And that just kind of solidified my interest in that, that type of work. But it was actually the move here. My parents retired and moved here, which to me meant, oh, great, great. I can go every weekend now. I had no intention yeah. on moving to the dunes. This was, yeah. this was my weekend getaway. It was vacation spot. And yep. vaca- yeah, now it was like, sweet, I got a spot to yep. stay. It was, yeah, I can go anytime I want. You know, There was no inclination. Dad's probably got that, oh, tools. I'm going to move to the dunes. Yeah, dad's got tools yep. now if I break there. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, when my parents moved here, my, they were like, yeah, they both retired young. And my, my dad used to tell everybody, he's like, yeah, you know, I... Uh, I ain't moving to Florida to hang out with a bunch of old farts. I'm going where I can use my dune buggy every day. Yeah. That's pretty much my where when uh, people kind of question me moving here. Why are you moving there? I said, well, I want to retire there. So I'm not, I'm not retiring from my job yet, but I'm ready for yeah. I'm living where I want to be. So that's why I always tell everybody. Everybody's like, oh, man, you live at the dunes must be great. And I'm like, you know, it, it's a great place to live if you're retired. Yeah. Hard place to live and make a living. Yep. Yeah. So I I gotta drive. Me and my wife both drive, you know, over fifty minutes to get back to where our careers are established. Cause yeah, up here it's yep. I can't do what I do up here. So it's no drive. That's what led me. So it was I started coming all the time because my parents were here, met their neighbor's daughter, fell hopelessly in love, <laughs> and it came down to wanted to get married. And she's lived here her whole life. And I really wanted her to move where I was, and that just wasn't happening. And the other side, it was like, well, I could move there, and my family would be there, and the dunes will be there. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. There's yeah. nothing remotely close to what I do in this area. Yep. And what I, I'm I can in. relate to that. The, the thoughts and you're yeah, the weighing it out. You've got your pros and cons sheet. And yeah. no matter what, you're always like, but I'm at the dunes. <laughs> I'm near yeah. the dunes. <laughs> Gonna be at the dunes. I'll be minutes from the dunes. And then uh I'll be minutes from the dunes. So I just uh and and she was a successful nurse. So it was like when she's up saying, Oh, you just gotta find something to supplement our income. Okay, fine. So then actually down the road here, Deer Road, yep. there was a chat there was a, a place called BR Chassis Concepts. Okay. The guy's name was Billy Ray. Um, kind of a joke in the dune world, but at the time he was building some long travel cars. I was up here getting ready to move here, driving down the road. He had a help, help wanted sign out. I wheeled right in there and introduced Perfect. myself and gave him my background. And he's like, whoa, you know, you you know a lot. He's like, I, I'm not looking. I, I can't afford to hire somebody like you, you know. And I'm like, well, what do you pay? And he told me. I'm like, well, I, I realize where I'm moving that that's considered good money, so I'll take it. Yeah. So I went from, you know, a six-figure salary to like, you know, $15 an hour. <laughs> and yeah. that led to, I would work there all day. At the same time, he was supposed to be building rental buggies for Wild Bills. Okay. In he the didn't have buggies yet. Wild yep. Bills yet. So he had bought Yamaha Rhinos that had just come out, and he wanted the drivetrain taken out of them, and he wanted them put into a, a doom buggy looking so they were more stable. The rhinos, you know, you looked yep. at them wrong, they tipped is over. Is that what they have now, those red nope. buggies? Okay, no. Nope. Okay. That, that's silver like buggy rental. This is Wild Bill's that has the Jeeps. Yeah, yep. Okay, yep. never mind. See, I'm getting so, all the confused. That led to Bill and Travis that own Wild Bill's. They would come in there almost every day and be looking for updates on their buggies. And I was in there, and one day they're in there talking and said something about that they were hiring too. So I'm like, oh, well. Can I get a job with you guys too? So I would work at Billy Ray's all day. 
on chassis and wiring and all that kind of stuff. And then I'd get off work there and I'd go work in the evening over at the, the rental place. Okay. And every day I'd get there and this this buggy project had already drawn on for year, year and a half at that point, And it was nowhere. It wasn't going anywhere. Um, Billy Ray had kind of lost interest in it. Every day I'd get there, Bill's first question as we got to know each other would be like, well, did anything happen on my buggies today? I'd be like, well, no. And he started getting antsy, started getting antsy. Finally, I said, you know, Bill, with my background, I could build you what you want and I can do it right. And we kind of came to an agreement and that's where it went from. He, uh, I quit Billy Ray's and, uh, yeah, kind of right from there. Went, yep, right, a couple days later, they went over there and, and collected all their stuff and gave it to me and gave me my shot. And I sat down the first winter and cranked out these buggies for them. And which led to once they were built, the other next step was, oh, now they got to be maintained because we were running these things into the ground. It was yeah, insane. Not, so you got inexperienced drivers back yep. to back to back driving these buggies and just smashing them into yep. stuff. Oh, yeah. And then the motor and drivetrain couldn't hold it. I mean, we were running so many hours And on this them. is in the early days of the Rhinos, where yep. Rhinos are the kind of the predecessor of even the SSXs. Everybody was modding the oh, yeah. Rhinos to yep. do different things so a lot of people are experimenting with those oh yeah that's i went down the same road i had a 450 and i had a 660 with everything done then i had a 700 with turbo and everything else on it so i could go instead of going 35 i could go 45 yeah <laughs> everybody knew when i was on the dunes because i would drive out there and it was just it would live on the rev limiter just yeah, popping everybody's like they could hear me because it was so loud because it was so built up Everybody used to always joke at that time, this was, you know, back in the early Rhino days, that all I needed was an on-off switch because I never let off the gas. All the way to the floor or not. Yeah, it was literally 45 to 47 miles an hour was screaming in the Rhino. I mean, it was... But that's even, too, I mean, just like the dune... Because when I started coming up to the dunes, a lot would have been, like, late 2000s, like 2007, 2008, 2009 era is when I kind of started coming up here. And I remember, like, I was bringing my daily pickup, and we used to drive our daily pickups, like, flying across the dunes because they were so smooth. So, like, stuff wasn't whooped out even back then. So, I don't know what it was even back in those days of, like, the rhinos being able to rip that stuff. Yeah, it it, it all depended. I mean, it didn't take much to be whooped out in those. I mean, but even that, coming out of the traditional buggies, you know, like, my dad was a, ended up being a real well-renowned Volkswagen engine builder for, for, for the Volkswagen buggies. Yeah, and big. that's still like the a lot more like the beam traditional front yep. end buggies. Yep. Which yeah, but he was, was building some big, you know, big turboed motors and big strokers, and he built a lot of them. So we always had really fast buggies, but they had the whole four inches of suspension travel. Yeah, the which beam. really didn't matter. I mean, because you were you know they they were so light and nimble, and you know, and they were they were fast, but I mean. The ride wasn't, you know, at the time we thought the ride was great. You know, we had yeah. some KYB gas shocks on them and an aluminum front beam, and you know, thought that we were in the Cadillac. That time, that <laughs> yeah. is what was kind of the premier. So yeah, actually, I say, yeah, was that like kind of the premier buggy, or for was there anything considered like long travel at that point in time? Not really. No. So nope. that was at that point you were just playing with the beam front end, yep. changing. There, there was and... there was some A arm cars up here, but they were lightweight drag racing style A arms. You know, okay. they didn't they didn't have much more travel. It was just a lightweight not option. Taking not using coilovers. No, nope. like most that guys yet. back then were running you know the Marvin Shaw air nitrogen shocks. You know, okay. they were just lightweight and they did rode like lumber wagons too, but. So then uh, once you got these buggies, you're building them, and now you're maintaining those. So that's kind of a source of income. After you yep. built them, now you've gotten this 
Yeah, then it was a, a you know, seven-day-a-week job to maintain them, and that's when I had my first shop. I was I built them at home, and I was maintaining them from home, but then hauling them back and forth between the two locations. So Bill put up a building and rented the back half to me, okay. and that was where my first shop was in the big red building back behind them. And I would maintain all their stuff, and then I'd bring in other jobs. Gotcha. So and it just started growing from there, and that's how I met Albert. That uh, had BNL Motorsports. Okay, he had BNL Sand Toys down the road there. Yep, and I then, remember the two locations. Yep, yep. the well, when he had the first small location, the only the one, and he was bringing me a lot of his vehicles for maintenance. Okay, I was doing a lot of maintenance work. Um, time went on. I was in the middle of going through an ugly divorce, and one day Albert, we were just kind of driving around BSing and Albert says, you know, I, I want to expand the business. I want to bring the fabrication and the service work that you do to the business and made me an offer. And so we kind of teamed up on that. And that's when we got the, had the first fab shop going and behind the, the RC shop. Yep. We had a little shop going in back of there while we remodeled uh, apple tree up there because he just bought apple tree and we moved up there and, Everything was uh, all fine and dandy until <laughs> things changed and uh, ownership decided to pull out. And that's when I kind of was left going, okay, now what do I do on my own again? Yep. So what was it, I mean, when you were at the BNL days, though? Because I remember, I mean, I know I never really was in BNL because at that time, yeah, I pretty much was like a daily driver pickup. Yeah. I had a dirt bike. I was big into all I was had up here was riding dirt bikes. So I really didn't have a need to be in BNL. For what I was doing, yeah. But I just remember seeing like, uh, yeah, the, the the buildings go up. You know, the the window stickers, the buildings got painted. You know, Higgins got brought in with yep. the truck, and I mean, it was kind of uh, there was like an era, a little bit of an era of kind of you kind of I don't know people that doing up here and know. So like I said, not knowing any details, I was like, I remember the you know the height of the BNL era where yeah, you know, you yeah, couldn't we go were to the we dunes. were on top of the world for a little while there, you know. <laughs> We made some pretty epic trips to Glamas and and then Higgins, that whole thing, which that was, a uh, you know, I got to know Mike real well when he had his first Blue Raptor out here before he even had the jump truck. And yep. then when he got I that. And, that, yep, very first time I saw him was yep. that Blue Raptor. And then he picked around. up the uh, the Illumicraft from, from Albert uh, for Sharon. So then I was taking care of both of those. And then I completely rebuilt the truck. Um, after the first talk fest, he decided to actually make it pretty. And that was when we broke it down to nothing and powdered the chassis okay. and renewed everything and made some changes and between us and then, uh, Langer down at Langer racing was doing some of it. Okay. Um, yeah. We went from there. And then of course, then, the fast forward from that a little bit as a builder, you know, I, at, well, when it came to BNL, Albert brought me in for one thing, but then as things progressed, I was kind of, if anybody went in there knows, I was up front, I was out back, I was answering everybody's questions. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of good guys, a lot of good people that worked there, but not a lot of knowledge where so I had been in this stuff my whole life. And- yeah, that was my biggest complaint there is, you know, I was spread really thin. I was stretched. It was, BNL was my life. I, I was there 24 7. It yeah. was. It was. It got pretty insane for a while, and then, then Albert decided he wanted to build a sand car from the ground up, the Coyote car. Which, okay. basically, Albert sat me down and said, you know, I want a sand car, and and I want it to have a Tatum body on it, and I want it to have a Ford motor in it. And other than that, he says these cars are your life. You know, if you could do anything you wanted to one of these cars, what would you do? 
and figure it out. Here's yep. the, here's the key. Go yep. for it. So as a builder, I mean, it was a dream come true. I mean, yeah. to be given basically a blank check of here you go. Build. Your I want dream. a statement piece. I want it way over the top. You know, and I did yeah, stuff. That'd on, be know, pretty awesome. The next two years <laughs> of my life was that car. I mean, I, I traveled Man. with it. You know, I took it over. We did a lot of chassis work there. We did a lot of different things. We changed uh, the whole I, which you see now in sand cars. We changed the whole idea of the seating position, your your shifter handles. I mean, we spent I spent three days with Albert just getting the seat height and situation the, where he wanted. Yep, righted. to be able to see a lot. And then Dan Bedeau and I, we took this brand new Tatum bear chassis and cut all the suspension points off and. Made all the changes that we saw there. And, of course, I had seen all these Tatums throughout the years, including the one I had, that all cracked in certain places. So I was like, okay, so we're going to strengthen all these. And so we took this beautiful brand-new Bear Tatum chassis and cut it up and added a couple hundred feet of tubing and bracing and plates. and Made it now your own thing. Yep. Pretty much taking... You know, I can relate, you know, yeah, coming from the truck world stuff and even what I'm getting ready to do, but it's like... You just, the more knowledge that expands every day, almost, I feel, I'm like, man, I could have done that better. You know, you get yeah. that progression where you're, at least for me, I reflect on everything I always do. I, it's, I'm critiquing it. You know, if somebody, oh, this looks cool. I go, yeah, but man, I could have, yep. if I would have done it one more thing like this, oh, I would have been put it over yeah, the top. I where, am, personally, I am my own biggest critic. Ex- yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, the fab work people will, uh, you know, I've heard it throughout the years. Oh, your welding is just so, uh, you know, so spectacular and so perfect and, and I look at it, and eh, it could be better. Yeah, exactly. And people, oh, don't get down. It's like, no, I'm not. It's it's. This is what makes it. Yeah, this is how you progress, and this is how you get that level of yeah. skill building is kind of, you have to, I don't know, at least that's my opinion. You've got to be your own self-critic. If you're not your biggest self-critic, then, yep. yeah, then you, if, because that's, I've got a couple of buddies that are kind of like, yeah, I'm good with that. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, man. Uh, it's like your gas flow was too high, or you're, you're lifting your arc too far back. Oh, yeah. There's always something. It was like, nope. Yeah, I should have positioned. I thought I was going to be comfortable, and all the end of that bead was getting super uncomfortable, and that's exactly my same yeah. mentality thinking. Get yeah, I went through that. Of course, I went through that with the glasses. I didn't wear glasses either, and then I was using the computer a lot more at BNL because I was spending so much time up front. And then I'd get out back and I'd go to TIG weld, and I just could not get my welds right, and it was driving me nuts. And then finally, I was like. I can't see. That's the I problem. Need, I need some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got cheaters for my helmet. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow, I can weld again. Yeah, sweet. Skill levels back. <laughs> you know, before, and of course, even at that time, everybody would be like, everybody would be like drooling. Oh, I wish, wish I could weld like that. And I'd look at it and go, you know, I look at that and I want to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yup. Some of that takes that level. So then uh, I guess then getting back after, so the BNL stuff's wrapping up and you're, yeah, back to a position of, I mean, you've probably got at this point some people that maintenance-wise, customer-wise, yep. you've kind of got some. Yeah, a I've, bit I've of had a, um, a core group of I don't know, fifteen customers that are pretty prolific sand car, sand car guys, and some side by side guys that I've had since my first shop behind the rental place. They just that, keep coming back. That are here, yeah. Most of them have cottages here. Uh, most of my keep an eye on their cottages i keep an eye on their sand toys they tell me when they're coming and i get everything ready to go for them and then then off seasons are usually oh well let's do this let's do that and make changes and upgrades and so and that's what it's progressed to and then what you've been doing you know since those days is you've been kind of doing that stuff until uh and then now 
on top of that with them the Sandflex stuff. So what's uh yeah. I guess getting to that stage, what was it some of the stuff you've been doing on your own since the BNL days and then how did the uh Sandflex stuff come around? I know you've gotten involved with like uh the Dune Star guys and Yeah, yeah. I've known Dave and Ricky for well oh many years now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, pretty much since they've been part of the scene. I remember when Dave got his first sand car. I mean, that goes all the way back to the old Silver Lake Forum days. Okay, yeah. yeah. I remember Forum days before it crashed yep. and it never came back. <laughs> yep. And that was uh, that was where I first started advertising my business and came up with the whole Sandfab name. Not very okay. creative, but I had to come up with something because I was going to advertise on the page. And it just kind of grew from there. But as far as the Sandflick stuff, of course... Chad Dumont had bought Sandflicks from Scott Graham uh-huh. when we had BNL, and Chad and I were real close. We pretty much ran the show there, and Chad and I talked about Sandflicks stuff a lot. And I was kind of on the outside involved because we had it there and and watched everything that went on. But I've always been a person who liked to take pictures. You know, I, yeah. I had some training back before the pre digital days and cameras, and I always had. With you know, point-and-shoot camera cameras days. I would carry around with me. And then, of course, as the phones progressed, started using those. And and then when Chad kind of departed from the scene and Sandflix was kind of in question, I, I was going after it and I wanted a part of it. Especially because with the BNL, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go back to wrenching on stuff all day long. I'd like to do something else instead. The pictures kind of really appealed to me. And at that point, I just really wanted to run the show for Chad. And kind of talked to him, was trying to get him to part with the business, but couldn't make it quite work. And that's when Dave came in and got had an opportunity to get the business. And, of course, he and I being close, so I said, oh, you know, I want to take pictures. He says, well, you ever done that before? And I said, no. <laughs> yeah, but But I'll give learn. me a camera and, and let me go. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, yeah, if you don't like it, I'll get better. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, that was the the previous season of this one, and you know it was about I don't know maybe a month in the taking pictures with the kind of crappy camera that we had for me to use at that time. And next, yeah, it was a couple weeks in, and all of a sudden Dave shows up and says, uh, "You need a better camera." <laughs> yeah, brought me a bigger camera and bigger lens, and it just kind of blew up from there. Okay, so then you've been, uh, yeah, so then that just exactly. So you didn't have. Had the knowledge, but then it just comes down to put the camera in my hand and yep. let me start taking pictures and yeah, learn from that. Yeah, That's Rob uh, Rob Wardensky, who he had done pictures for Sam Flicks under Chad and everything else, and he was a he's a been a photographer in the past. He gave me a lot of pointers as yep. far as camera caught, setup yep. and you get caught up. Yeah, yep. And as far as you know, keep the sun at my back, and he, he gave me a lot of pointers to to really get me going. And, and mm-hmm. everybody always says. You know, I'm like, everybody always talks about my pictures and the shots. I'm like, honestly, I just picked up a camera and started doing it. I wasn't yep. actually formally trained to well, do and this. So, I mean, the amount of time that, so, you know, uh, what it's developed into now, what's uh, on a typical weekend, how much time are you putting into, in, out, clicking a button out and standing in spots? So most doing? Saturdays, anywhere between 10 and noon is the latest I'll get out there. Usually I try to be out there around 10. And I'll stay right till the camera itself is too dark for the camera to take a picture anymore. Okay, so once you get out there, yeah, you're yep. in there, and, and then, then you're just you're picking spots. And yep. I mean, I know when I see you, you're set up for a while, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you move from there, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, there he is over yeah. there, and you're standing. I normally, when I'll go in in the morning, I'll just try and find a nice kosher spot where people are going to drive by me so I can get pictures. That's so uh, my biggest thing with the taking pictures. That is, I try to take pictures of everything. It's not yep, just the just cool kids. It. It's not just the long travels. It's just 
everybody's i try to take a picture of anything that comes near me because yeah the ultimate goal with the sandflix is for yeah any person that's come here we can whether yep. you're the one time the one time you come here for the year or you come here every single weekend yeah. is to go to yeah that i don't care thing. if you go by me and you know i take constantly take pictures of rentals yep trying the to jeep get the rentals the, the the silver lake buggy rentals the wild bill rentals as they go by yep. I, I always say i don't care i'm like i don't care what you're in, in the dunes if you take if there's something you take out on the dunes and it puts a smile on your face. As far as I'm concerned, it's cool. Yep. You know, if it's a six-figure sand car or a $50 junkyard disposable beater. Yep, exactly. If it puts a smile on your face, it's cool in my book. Yep. You know, and I and especially like seeing like the old homemade stuff that you don't see as much anymore. I take lots of pictures of that. You know, people in their daily drivers. I you know, I love, of course, I like Subarus anyways. I love seeing all the Subarus out there now. That yeah, are the out car there. scene's getting bigger yeah, and bigger. Yeah, you know. I remember the first time when we were at B&L and we seen a Subaru going in there and we were like laughing. We're like, yeah, this will be interesting. You go out on the dunes kind of, we're like, we got to get some pictures of this. We follow him out there. He drives it right up over Test Hill. And I'm like, now that's just cool. (laughs) You know, it's like, we didn't expect him to make it up the approach hill, and you just went over Test Hill on a Subaru. <laughs> That's like the uh, this year, the people freaking out with that all-wheel drive Charger that was in there yep. towards the end of the year. Yep. I got some I was, pictures of that. <laughs> I was up on top of Test Hill, and yeah, I was messing around with my truck, just cooling off. We were talk- Me and my wife were talking, and then yeah, I look out my window because I hear something coming up on the side of me, and yeah, it was a Charger, and I kind of did like, I was like, oh, that's a Charger. It's like, oh, that's a Charger. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Charger on top of Test Hill. That's pretty yep. dope. And the dude, it was fully tinted windows. I was like... I was trying to wave, dude. Never tinted windows, and he took off. And I was like, "Man, that was kind of dope." I don't know who that dude was. Yeah, He's full blacked out tint charger, yep. just ripping around the dude. I remember I was on Exit Hill for that, and then yeah, I'm taking pictures, and I having to catch it out of the corner of my eye. And of course, I'm zoomed right in, just snap, 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 and yep, exactly. It's exactly, and that's uh, I j- I've had jokes plenty of times with. We had groups of some dudes with you know pre runners, all these sweet trucks looking around. Every one of us dudes got our head turned because, yeah, here comes this $500 Cherokee, yep. 45 mile an hour down through the whoop section. And we're like, oh, hang on. None of these trucks are as cool as this Jeep right now. Let's, <laughs> yeah. We're going to see what's going to happen yeah. to this. <laughs> Although there are times I cringe and I'm like, oh, that makes my back hurt just watching it. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been curious of that, of what uh, the unfortunate side of it, The have you had to uh, catch and be near some of the, you know, involved with like getting people out of there and injuries and stuff like that because... Along with coming of the camera, yeah, you know, it's not something that I know you guys definitely don't promote. Of you need to do anything to get a picture, but people take it upon themselves. Yeah, actually, I go to the point where I've had people. I've a lot of times people, especially if I'm set up somewhere and some people are jumping, because I tend to migrate to the jump spots. Yep. You know, when I and when I see start. one, that's where I go there. And I've had people that I've been like, man, I don't know. I think you're really pushing it. I think you need to back off yeah. some. And another thing, too, I've had people stop. Oh, you probably didn't take a picture. I'm like, dude, you, you don't honestly have to do anything to impress me, and I'll take your picture. Yeah. I'm like, I would rather take a picture of you just driving by than take a picture of you crashing. Exactly, yeah. Because, I, for one thing, I, I delete my crash. And if I happen to catch a, a mishap, I delete it instantly. Okay. I will not post a, a, a crash picture. I feel like it's promoting on somebody else's misfortune. And I hate seeing it. You know, it's, yeah. I, I've That's seen, where I see, like... uh that's where I mean it's like uh, hopefully people can handle themselves. But I mean I even know myself. You get you get the people and they oh, go yeah. oh there's a crowd. It's like you go oh, you go that I'm, little extra. And yeah, I'm the same way. Yep. Same. It's human nature. I mean if, if yep. they see a camera and they see a crowd, you're gonna show off. Yep. I mean I don't care who you are or what you're in. You're gonna try and show off in it. It's yep, just a exactly. natural fact. And, then and that's the part that scares me the most. Okay. Yeah. And that's where. So there's 
even with all that, yeah, you get to see cool stuff, but then the the downside of it, which hopefully yep. that's yeah, like I said, I know you guys don't promote uh hey, cuz we have the camera, that doesn't necessarily mean which yeah. hey, this is the spot to just start hitting this thing pin. And that's I always try my hardest to pick. Of course, even when I do set like on Exit Hill, I don't go out and look for a spot just where people can jump because I need people to just be able to drive by me in their daily drivers yep. or their Jeeps or whatever, yep. you know, I, I guys can, doing the wheel, you know, there's yeah. So if it's, if I look at something and it looks like it's a steep drop or anything like that, I won't sit there because I, I know once they see me with the camera, even if they don't try to jump, they're going to try and go over faster. Or they're just going to yeah. try and, and you, push it uh, a little bit more. You guys often have the flags too that you use yep. a lot too. So you've got the red and the green flag. Yeah, I usually carry flags. I'll let somebody else do the flagging yep. um, because obviously being on the camera, I can't. I yep. can't watch enough to to be trusted to flag. Yeah, that's uh, the biggest carry, thing. With we started carrying the radios. So yep. as as the radios got more popular, a lot of the guys will talk back and forth on the radios too. That's the stuff that hopefully, yeah, that's the stuff that's hard to see is when. You know, like, yeah, you guys are piled up. It's generally, I see a crowd of you guys on the hill, and yeah, exactly. It's like people got the handheld radio in their hand. Someone's yeah. got a red-green flag. Exactly. You're, you're in a camera. It comes down to the, as long as the person with the red-green flag is actually looking down the hill or getting That's info the in thing. the ear looking down the yep. hill. Because I've seen a lot of people spot for jumps that it's like, I appreciate the fact of what you're trying to do. Yeah, but you're looking through a camera lens trying but, to get it on film, too. Yeah, but I, I just I see people that are spotting and they're more or less trying to watch the action. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. And it's at, like yeah. you need to. You're looking the wrong way. Yep. The guy that's coming up the hill can. Unfortunately, see. the person that's he doing the spotting behind you is going to have to miss the action. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. If you're doing good spotting, you're not seeing the jump right. usually, or you might see the landing of it. That's about what you should be seeing. Yeah, yeah, and that's really because it's. Unfortunately, yeah, the uh, the amount of times I'm out there with several guys doing jumps, and yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. It's clear, 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 and the guy's ripping. I mean, sometimes we need run-ups a long ways yeah. away, and you get a guy full, and then, yeah, it's like, no, nope, cancel him, because all of a sudden a guy in a dirt bike came and just crested this hill, Yeah, and he's going to be prime about landing spot if this guy, you know, cancel it. So it's always, yeah, you can run around, do another lap. That sucks, but go yeah. back, yep. do it, it again. It's better than, uh, <laughs> it's better than the alternative. Yep. So I, I've seen some, you know, the, actually this wasn't this year, it was last year. And actually this wasn't, I was sitting on a hill and this was a good hundred yards down from me or more. Uh, wasn't actually where I was. I kid, I, I just happened to court, catch out of the corner of my eye. I watched a dirt bike just go up and I'm like, that's way too high for that short of a hill. Yeah. I knew he was going to flat land it. And just out of the corner of my eye, I could watch him land and watched him roll right off the side of the bike. Ugh. And I knew he was in trouble. So I ran, jumped in the Jeep, hauled all the way down the hill as fast as I could. And <clears throat> was first one on the scene and had to call 911. And, and that was uh, the first time I had uh, had to call 911 on the dunes out of a lifetime of being out there. And I get down there. And, and even when the ambulance got there, all the kid wanted to know was if I got his pictures. <laughs> That's what I mean. It comes down to that. I didn't yeah, have the hard to tell him. I'm like, dude, you were too far away. I couldn't even <laughs> oh. That's where, yeah, hopefully, exactly. It's like, yeah, don't put yourself in that situation if the goal is to get a picture out of it yeah. in the end. It's like, that's not worth it. Hopefully, yep. just stay within your limits, stay within your riding. Same thing with the side-by-sides. I've seen some of them, you know, and I know it, too. I'll see them. It's, 
they'll leave the ground and it'll start to nose over and you'll watch the tires lock up in the air. Yep. And you know they're on the brakes and they come down nose first and it digs in and then more than likely it'll tip over onto the top. You usually hopefully it's a slow, you know, I've really been really fortunate and knock on wood, I hope I don't ever see it. I haven't really seen anybody really get hurt. You know, yeah. they're usually more slow motion, you know, rollovers or just a suspension fold up or something like that, yep. but that's where it's getting to a level of those things. I've driven only a couple sides. I haven't spent a lot of time in side-by-sides, but the ones I have been are beyond. It's like, dude, these things are beyond capable for yeah. people that are just like, oh, sweet. This is dope. I'll buy this thing. It's just like, that's what I. these are crazy. I say a lot. I say I, I have a love-hate relationship with the side-by-sides. I love the fact, though, when, when I was a kid and my family got into this, you had to want it. Like I said, my yeah. dad had to go out and find somebody that would build a frame. We had to build the buggy ourselves, you know, we yep. had, you know, had to source parts and then, then maintenance and upkeep and, and, and all that. So you really had to want it. There was no option of just go down to the dealership and buy something yep. that's fully capable right off the dealership. Let alone floor. if you had the money, let alone finance something yeah. that's built. And yeah, I mean, let's face it. If you've got an average job, you can get a, a you know, a Razor 1000 or Razor Turbo, which is an incredible machine right off the dealership floor. Yeah, crazy. Suspension power, I mean... It's incredibly capable. So I yeah. like the fact that it it has exposed this this pat the sport that we all are so passionate about and love so much to people that probably wouldn't have had that option yeah. otherwise. Yep. You know, I, I've dealt with especially at BNL, people that bought side by sides that they'd come to me and be like, like honestly, it'd be like, I, I want to be able to bring this to you for every oil change, every everything, because I don't even own a screwdriver. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't own I a tool. To I don't it. know how to work on this thing. If I had to, I just want to drive it. Yeah. So I like that it's exposed that to those people, but it also makes everybody, and of course, YouTube doesn't help. It makes everybody an instant off-road racer. Yeah. You know, especially when they see us <laughs> jumping. I, I saw the progression from my side-by-sides and what we did in them. And when I went to the sand car world and, you know, these people see us doing what we do and they think, Oh, it's, it's simple. I just get in this and I hit the top of the hill wide open. They don't know about speed control and coming off the hill. Right. And then let's face it, no matter how perfect an area is to jump, it's still never perfect because it's sand. Yeah. It's changing. Every time a car hits a sand lip, it's changed. Yeah. The face can be perfect. You can make one lap around and come back around and it could throw you who knows which way. That's the thing with like with like my truck. There's a sp- very specific lip I like with my truck, and they don't. It doesn't last long. If there's a group jump, I get there's a short window that I get where yeah. I'm like I'm in the sweet spot, and then outside of that, it's like, nah, I don't really feel like landing on my grill today, or you know, yeah. coming down off sideways because it's. And those are the people that are like, whatever, screw it, I'm still hitting this thing, and they start getting blown out. But yeah, that stuff changes so quick. Yeah, you take a Razor 1000, especially a turbo. I mean, you can hit the top of any hill out there at 60 to 70 miles an hour, no problem. Yeah, and send it way to flat yeah. and way it, beyond. It, you, you, can only, you can only jump so big. I don't yep. care who you are, what your vehicle is. Every vehicle out there has its limitations. Yeah, everything has a fail safe. And when you hit those limitations, then your body starts to absorb all that energy. Yeah, that's not And good. that's, you know, with my background engineering and ergonomics and everything, I, that's what I always look at is I'm like, you know, once you take up all your suspension seat and all your suspension, all that force is going through your body. Yep. And your body's only going to handle so much G-force. Yeah. And people don't seem to, I've even good at that going back to the fabricating world. You know, I've always had this debate with people when I tell them they got to have these expensive Heim joints, you know, that are rated for 80,000 pounds. And they're like, but my car weighs 2,000 pounds. And I'm like, yeah, 
when it's just sitting there static doing nothing. Yes. When it's yeah. going 40 or 50 miles an hour and let's say you only jump two feet in the air, when it lands, that car thinks it weighs, you know, four or five yeah. times that There's much. There's a crazy math equation that gives yep. you a load force that when, yeah, this thing gets down on the bumps, yeah. landing at 40, 50 yeah, miles an hour. People yeah. don't seem to grasp. I mean, the forces that we generate are just astronomical. Yep. Yeah. The stuff and in a perfect world, down. we land on all four wheels and at least you can divide that by four, you know, you yep. break it up. That, but that's come on, rare. how often does that happen? <laughs> exactly. We're that's lucky rare. if we can land on two at the same time. Yep. That's what I mean of that's where it's like it gets to there's been jumps where I look at him and go, I could hit that, but I know I'm gonna be up on my front end on the bumper on the two, and it's just like, ah, not today. Yeah. I'm not feeling it. Like exactly. It's you know, and that's from lessons learned. The first year I was driving my truck, I did that whole bunch. I went, ah, I still hit that. And then it's yeah. like, all right, now nah, screw that. I'm tired of those. Land up on the bumper, slam the rear end down, skate away, going, man, I think I almost just about rolled it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, I'm and, over and that. there's nothing eerier. I mean, in a, <laughs> I don't care what you're in, a sand car, side-by-side, a free runner. When you're in the air and it either starts to corkscrew on its own or it starts to nose yep. over, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's, it's not like so a dirt bike. Everybody says, oh, gas and brake, and it'll move it a little bit maybe, but for one thing, we're usually not in the air long enough. Yeah, to no. really counteract it, and, and it's there's so much mass there that it won't move the vehicle you around. Know, my, as much yeah, as my truck will. is about fifty three hundred pounds. I'm ta- I can tab the brakes and hit the gas all I want to, and yeah, if I sent the thing off the lip crooked, I'm landing crooked. There yep. ain't shit about it. So yeah. th- that that's the scary thing coming from like a dirt bike world for me. Yeah, knowing that I can use body weight to adjust, and yeah, you get kicked off a lip sideways, I can adjust and land straight. That is the scariest thing because, yeah, everything's hunky-dory when you're doing a jump line and everything's straight, and you get that one that kicks you out sideways, and it, yeah, for that instance, you go, oh, that's right. I actually have yeah. no control of this thing in the air. Yep. It's I. It feels sweet, but, yeah, this thing goes sideways. It's done for. <laughs> oh, yeah, the first, uh, first summer I had my Tatum long travel, and that was my first long travel roundup as a, as a participant instead of putting it on. And we went out and we were, everybody was jumping and then here I stop and two people, of course, you know, I'm single guy in a four seat long travel. Sure. I'll give you guys a ride. So I got three strangers in the car and I hit this jump and it went airborne and I literally landed 45 degrees on two wheels because I was in the air and it just kept corkscrewing further and further to my side. It was one of the biggest jumps I'd ever done in the car. And I'm just like, please don't roll over with strangers on board. Oh, and I landed it, yeah. you know, literally about 45 degrees on driver's side, two wheels and it, and it, it pulled out, you know, and I made it no problem. And I turned right around and parked it and said, okay, we're done. Hope <laughs> yeah, you no. enjoyed your ride. <laughs> yeah. I've had a few moments like that where, I mean, for the most part, yeah, you, so you get to the point you live up here and you similar like me, you've, you know, you've, the, the dunes always change, but for the most part, like you've got the place laid out, you know, yeah. when the times are, there's different times you can go out there and know when you can get away with doing certain things that you can't on other weekends. And I've had rides where it's like, for the most part, people are generally telling me like, Oh, I'm pretty like, that was scary, but I'm pretty confident. Cause I know you drive here all the time. So like, I, I trust you. And I've driven those rides to people where I've had a few moments where I was like, they're like, yeah, that was awesome. Like felt super safe the whole time. And I was like, you actually didn't know. There was about five seconds there where even I was shitting my pants and I thought I was rolling it. Yeah. But they're like, oh, really? I couldn't even tell. You kept it, you kept it chill. I was like, yeah, I tried really hard. I, I said, I never want to let anybody know that I'm like maybe out of control of this thing. But the reality is it's like we're on the sand. We're screwed yep. around. The, the reason you're in a five-point harness and suspension seat is 
one of these days, knock on wood, one of these days it's going to screw up. That's just oh, the yeah. reality. I mean, there's ruts out there, and the, like you say, uh, you can you can hit a jump and literally make you make your lap right back around to the same spot and have it be completely different yep. that quick. Or even to the, the scariest part, what gets really dangerous is when people are hitting a lip and it gets blown out, and they just move 20 foot over. And then just hit it at what speed they were hitting yep. the other one. That's super dangerous too, because that twenty foot over that can change dramatically. You can get ten degree lip difference twenty foot over. Oh yeah, June. that's the Nick Watterson that has the old intense Colorado sand yep, truck. Yep. The summer uh, that was when Doug Heim was there and Chris Parent. Everybody was jumping. Okay, up on, on sunset, and we were going pretty big. And Nick had hit it a few times, and you know, just casual, nice jumps. Yep. And he, same thing with him. He moved over just a little bit. And that was when he went so big, when he landed it out in the middle of the flat, he went right through a suspension seat, hurt himself or hurt his back pretty good. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's the danger of that. So yeah, he probably hit it yeah. the same and speed. He, you he know, had. and Nick's one that always that, you know, I've caught him a lot of jumps of him, but he's one that always works his way up. He'll, you'll see yeah. him just drive over a jump and then he'll just baby jump it and just a little he's a dude that when i'm in the dunes i see him out in the dunes. Yeah. generally he's but he's usually he's always very cautious about it and works his way up and he said he just didn't realize he was over just basically one one, one width of a car yeah. over when he came off of it and that's how different the lip was he didn't didn't go gonzo it yeah. just threw him that much yep same speed of, yeah same speed as 10 foot over and it just yeah booted him made for spectacular more. pictures but yeah and he got new seats out of it <laughs> yeah but yeah, he was uh, pretty sore for about a week afterwards. So with the picture stuff and now, what is uh, what's the balance kind of like? Uh, you were just saying too before we started, you got some like winter work. So do you get like uh, maybe more picture stuff in the summer now? A lot more work in the winter yeah. type deal. Yeah, I well, I kind of try and balance it out. Of course, then the trips like you know, out to Glamas and Little okay. Sarah. Yep. Yeah. So you kind of off season. Well, we hit Little Sarah during the season this year, and then Glamas will be in February. I'll be out there for a while. And, okay. And you head up generally with like Doug and those guys yeah. like that, Doug Heim. Yep. Sad. Yep. And then uh, of course got in really tight last year with the whole Pad Three Mafia crew out there, the Jeff Pont and okay. Aaron Rice in particular, Jeff Pont, Craig Donaldson. So that's a big. So do you generally get out to Glamis at least every season in the off season? I have, here? yeah. I've been really fortunate. You know, that was another one of those. You know, my whole life, of course, going back to when Sandsport Magazine came out. You know, we, okay, yep. That was a that was a necessity in my house growing up. When we, I have, actually have a filing cabinet. I actually have every single issue of Sandsport that was ever put out in a filing cabinet. You know, wow, that that's was pretty our, sweet. That was our Bible. You know, Dad always got them subscription, and you know, we always looked and drooled to the. And always talked about. So you're about seeing going, everything, yeah, Glamis Mecca yep. coming up through the years. Yeah, we always talked about, you know, someday we're going to make it out west. Someday we're going to make it out west, and that's at B and L. You know, I had the, my first opportunity to go out there, and that was a dream come true. I'm like, ah, oh, I went to Glamis. You know, it was just mm -hmm. yeah. it, the holy Mecca to me. That's like the Holy Land. It was like I never thought I'd actually make it there, and I actually been there, and now I've been there five times now, and it's like I can't believe I've keep going back i keep getting so lucky to get to go back there and same thing with little sahara that's another one you know it was like you know always heard about little sahara and now now i've been there several times and you know and i can't yep. wait to go back again i can't believe that you know sometimes i gotta pinch myself i'm like i can't believe i get to travel the country and get paid to take pictures and off-road in these places that were yeah you know, i never thought i'd get to visit them once and now i've been there all these times and and and, and it's just it's overwhelming 
Yeah, it gets to that. And that's, I mean, so then even bringing it all the way back to those early days of, yeah, just deciding like, all right, yeah, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to move here because I enjoyed it enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to figure it out. We'll find, find a way. And it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel uh, semi-similar to the same thing. What brings me up here is it's kind of like, yeah, I don't care. I spent so much time here. It got, for me, it was like, I'm tired of bringing my camper up here every weekend. I was like, I just live here. And now the camper has been sitting out in the yard and I never even use the thing. Yeah. Cause we don't vacation. Now we live where we vacation and there's no need to ever go on vacation anymore. We just stay here. Yeah. That's of course <laughs> growing up. This was our vacation. Of course, when I was a kid, especially all the way through like grade school and stuff. And you talk about what are you going to do this summer or what you did last summer when you go back to school and be like, Oh, we went to the dunes and played in the dune buggy. And everybody would look at me funny and be like, you went where and did what? What's a dune buggy? Yeah, even they, they'd never heard of it. They'd never heard of Silver Lake Sand Dunes, you know. They'd yep. never heard of dune buggies. Even I remember our the subdivision I grew up in, you know, and my dad would get the buggy out and be tuning it up and ripping it up and down the road. And our neighbors would always just kind of look at us like kind of funny. Because, yeah, what like, are these hillbillies living thing? in the subdivision yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, here we are in this in hoity-toity Clarkston, and here's my dad out there in a you know built, you know, seriously built up like 250 horse Volkswagen rail job and he's ripping it up and down the road you know oh, and, man. And, and but the, as that progressed by the time i was in high school and and just out of high school of course some of my buddies started to come to the dunes you know we had dirt bikes and quads they had dirt bikes i don't do the dirt bike thing <laughs> yeah always been more the uh the yeah car thing. i did a quad for a while and i did do a three-wheeler my my first thing dad ever bought me i had a 110 one of the old 110 like the Honda ATCs, through, yeah, ATC, oh, nice, yeah. All, you know, your tires were your suspension. Those are so, making a comeback. It yeah. seems you're starting to see them more. So and if more. you jumped it, you know, literally you jump a foot in the air and then you would bounce two feet in the air. Yeah, you got the tires <laughs> and the seat foam suspension. Yep, That's that was you your had. suspension. <laughs> but other than that, it was always do monkeys, and I always tell people, I'm like, this is how different it was back then. Okay, first of all, when we first started coming to the dunes, we had a two seat dune buggy, and we used to go in. And I have pictures, lap belts only. And I would be sitting on my mom's lap with a lap belt around both of us. And we were allowed to go to the dunes that way back then. And what did you, you just had to have like one hoop bar over your head. Yep. Too, yeah, we had a, single... ours was a full tube chassis, okay. you know, a full chassis. But yeah, you only had to have a hoop. You saw a lot of those were just a one four pan hoop. with the hoop. <laughs> yeah. But I always laughed because I was always like, later on, my sister had moved here before me and she had a, a kid and I came over here once and my dad was taking my nephew at that time. He was maybe one or two years old, and he would take him out in the dunes in the dune buggy. And he's got him strapped in, car seat, five-point harness, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, oh, and you just threw me on mom's lap with a lap yeah. belt around both of us. We'd hit anything. I'd been, you know, crushed. Yeah, different times back in the day. Yeah. The rules uh, don't fly no more. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always like, everybody's like, how? And I'm like, that was acceptable back then. And beyond that, there was no crowds, even though we would always come in July. During the week, there was no crowd. So as soon as I was old enough to reach the pedals, even with a pillow behind me, if I could reach the pedals in the dune buggy, dad taught me how to drive the buggy. Yeah. Just, yeah. There's and then me and all there. my cousins that were my age, probably shouldn't even say this now. Of course, this was in Mexico, I should say. <laughs> but we would go out to the beach and everybody would sit at the beach all day. All the, the adults would. And me and all my cousins, we'd take the buggies. You know, we were <laughs> not old enough, no, nowhere near old enough to drive yet. And we'd be on the dunes all day in the buggies. We'd Trust run me, I've had around. so many moments where I've been like driving and riffing my truck around. And then all of a sudden, and maybe not like a fast section, but just coming through like traffic. And I'll pull up on like a two seat razor or a four seat razor or something. And yeah, there's like about a 10 year old looking kid driving this thing. Yeah. And 
I'll give a look over and he'll give a look over kind of. And it's just like, all right, yeah, wherever your parents are like at the beat, they're letting you put, yeah, back and forth yep. or, yeah, it's like. Oh, yeah, we'd I run mean, the rails all day long. We'd go out there and just run them into the ground and we'd be. <laughs> We used to do a lot of things back then. We used to play tag with a Nerf football with the buggies. We'd get down where the trees were, and you, you'd use the Nerf football to throw them at each other to play tag. Okay, and once yep. you were it, and all you the trails it. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, playing with the cutter. Of course, back then, the cool thing with those buggies was the cutter brake. So, yeah, the turning brake. Making the turns super yep, hairy. Yeah, yeah, turns. you could grab that brake and just get them sliding sideways. You know, that was all you could do with them is go fast and grab the cutter brake. You didn't dare jump. You could pull a little wheelies, but... That was the fun and excitement of those. I mean, of course, we always thought we were going like 90 because you were sitting six inches off the ground. Yeah, your butt scraping the sand when you're Yeah, later on in life, you learn, you know, with the GoPros and everything else and monitoring speeds out there. And it's like, oh, yeah, we thought we were going like 90 in those buggies, but we were really doing like 35, 40. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, that progression of, uh, you know, suspension, engines, as things progress, you're always setting that new bar. You know, every time you go out and you go a little bit faster, you jump a little bit further, well, now you just set the new bar of, where you kind of you need your adrenaline you go okay well now i gotta hit that bar to get that again so then exactly it's like well exactly you know same even growing up as kids stuff i used to do on dirt bikes and i look back and it's like man that's not that big anymore but yeah i remember as a in my kid mind that was the biggest thing in the world was jumping some of those jumps that on a dirt bike i was doing now it's like oh really that jump was only a 40 foot tabletop (laughs) thing at that track man I swear, I mean, that thing was third game wide open on a 60. I thought that was the biggest thing in the world I was oh, doing yeah. then. So it progresses. I mean, even with the truck now, some of the stuff, and I hit different sections where I do find, get like giving rides, I find it most often that I get a little more grounded. I give a ride where maybe my truck's not running 100%. You know, it's kind of running 70 80%. And I give a ride to somebody, and I'm kind of like back hard on myself. Like, man, I think, oh, nope. I need to take a look at this because I should have been able to hit this section faster or whatever. And I look over, the person's got the biggest smile to eat ear, and they go, this thing is sick. Holy, I'm oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever. They don't give a shit this thing. I couldn't rip that one section. They're still pumped that we jumped and got air off of that jump before it. They don't care. Oh, yeah. Yep. So it, it helps me. I, getting that experience helps me bring back, and I, I really enjoy that part of it, of taking people, and it goes, all right, yeah, you know what, whatever. The thing's not running great today, but who cares? Cause this person just experienced it for the first time. And that, Oh yeah. It that's... brings you right back to like, all right, I kind of remember when I first drove this thing. Yep. So, and that's what the, I mean, it keeps it going. Just that taste of it. It's, I mean, I get those days where, you know, I, you spend the time out there and then no matter what, I can still have days where you're like, that was the funnest day ever in the dunes. You, you know, can't beat it. And then I, and then something, you know, you keep going out there. Cause it's like, nah, that was the best day in the dunes. At least that's how I feel on it. Yeah. Just continually, it's like, man, you can't beat this. And a lot of the times, that's like you're on Sunset Hill looking at the beautiful sunset. You're ripping around your truck, your vehicle, whatever you've got is running tip top. When you get to those weekends, those are like, because then at the same time, like the progression of getting those weekends is you're broken down. Sometimes you don't even make it out of the parking lot. Sometimes, you know, oh, I brought, got my thing off the trailer and I broke it you know, on Friday. Now I'm spending all Saturday morning trying to get my thing fixed to get back out there. Yep. You know, especially that's a pre-runner life. Maybe that's, I don't, it's relatable to a lot of other uh, stuff. It's, it's everything. Yeah. You know, Ricky, everything. Ricky always says that about his pre-runner. Oh, it's the pre-runner life. And I'm like, it's everything. I've had everything. I haven't owned a pre-runner myself yeah. yet, but I mean, I've had like, everything else and you know what? I worked on all, all yep. equally. Side by side. It's got the belts. <laughs> yep. They're always doing the belts. Yep. You're always the, doing a belt on a side by side. And with a sand car, it's usually CV joints. 
Yep. Um, or transmissions. Transax. Yeah, transaxle, <laughs> CVs, the Yep, my stuff. first summer I bought my Tatum, uh, yeah, I, I was putting a CV joint in. It was only a 930 car, so I was putting a CV joint in about every single weekend. <laughs> and if not, then the trans was coming out because uh, I hurt the trans because it had the, the small 2D in it, and and I wanted to do wheelies. And I listened to my good buddy Shannon Eifert, and he says, oh, you just double tap the gas, and that's how you do wheelies. Well, when, when you got a nice big Fortin transaxle and 934s, you can do that. About yeah. the second time I had to rip the trans out, and, and Kurt, Kurt Bellew was uh, over there to help me going through it. And he says, how do you keep hurting the trans? And I tell him, he's like, well, you can't do that with this car. <laughs> you can do that if you got Shannon's bank account, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep it manageable. Yeah. You don't have the parts that do that. Yep. So yeah, I, I've been down that road. They they all they all and then of course Rick. Yeah, I keep uh Rick keeps me busy. <laughs> yeah, because he flat out drives his truck. You know, his truck's incredibly capable. But I mean, he does things in that truck. Last year alone, it was it was uh, one night we were we were literally up till three four in the morning gluing it back together because he had found where it had cracked his engine cage. It broke loose from the frame and. And we said all night we're working on. I just want it for tomorrow. I just want I just want to be able to drive around tomorrow. I just want to drive around tomorrow. It was the Fourth of July weekend, and I get out there and I'm set up to take pictures. And here comes Rick, first pass through, and I and I'm just I'm just watching him. And the truck's like 25 feet in the air, and I'm just standing there going, Rick. Thought you were just gonna drive around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the amount of times that I've convinced my wife, we're like. Hey, you want to go to the dunes tonight? Like, ah, uh, okay, maybe I got a headache. Are we just going to be chill? Like, yeah, let's just go in and rip around and check the sunset out, and we'll come on home. And about the time I get to that first left-hander in the corner in entrance, and I'm shifting down to second to get past, you know, no more speed yep. limit, that's all out the window. Because then it's like, oh, there's so-and-so. Got to go chase him. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's some of my best rides going once I moved here. Of course, you know this now that you're here, too. It's some of my best rides nobody's ever seen because it's oh, yeah. it's a – you know, Tuesday through Thursday, yep. five o'clock in the afternoon, I go out, you know, I work all day and be like, oh yeah, I got, I got a couple hours to go out and run. I'll go out and run for a couple hours. Uh, the, that's where, I mean, it's, you know, my truck is, I'm, I've still, this third year, I'm getting it to the point where I'm finally, like this season, I was pretty happy with it. I still got a couple more kinks this winter now. And I think next year I'm pretty pumped to like, all right, I think I'm hopefully just put it in the garage in the weekend, get it out. I'm turnkey and I'll be good to go to where. A lot of that this summer, yeah, I was on a Tuesday morning, like, all right, I'm going to go test something out. Things were ripping, and yeah, I'm out there all alone. I was like, dude, this thing, this is awesome. Place yeah. is so empty, and this thing's running so good right now that I can just, and then I'll, uh, you know, exactly. It's like, I'll go there, like, all right, I'm just going to go test this and rip a lap, and then I'm come home. Two hours later, and then my tank's about empty, and I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get home before I run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, Yeah. Those are yeah. It's hard to beat that adrenaline rush. It's, it's uh, hard to control it. <laughs> the thing that I was pretty surprised about was like when I moved here. You know, for us it was uh, typical. I was yeah. I lived about forty minutes from here, so we were towing the camper up here on like a Friday. And then I'd go home, grab the trailer and my truck, and then tow back up here. And my wife would get out of work, come up here, just the all this back and forth and setting stuff up to all. And then at the end of the day, getting in the dunes to then ah uh, the the brake locked up. Now I need to go find a brake caliper. I got all my stuff up here. Like I got to make it happen to where once we moved up here on the weekends, I kind of don't, you know, I'll go out there for sunset rips or I'll go out there maybe for like a super early morning, like right at the gates open breakfast rip, come back home. But other than that, it's like middle of the week is when I spend the most time out there, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
you know, Fridays, even I like Friday mornings. I spend a lot of time out there on Friday mornings to where it's, it's changed it. You know, you get to experience that. And I, you know, I do it very, uh, uh, selfishly to go, look, as long as no one's here, I'm going to take advantage of this. Cause if it changes oh, yeah. where this starts getting packed on a Wednesday, cause people, yep. I mean, it's just headed to that route. You know, the, the amount, the more busy it gets, you know, you can only fit so many people in there on a Saturday, but it gets to more people are going to learn. And maybe I should take a Wednesday, Thursday off of work and come up middle of the week to where I go out there. It's like, man, while nobody else is doing it, I'm going to do it. Cause it's oh, pretty yeah. sick. That's <laughs> Without a doubt, some of the hardest playing I've done has been in the middle of the week out there because there's yep. nobody out there. I don't have to worry as much, yep. especially if it's empty. I got the place almost to myself. So I always tell people, you know, September, the middle oh, yeah. of the week in September can be some of the best riding of the year. Yep. You can go out there and there's nobody there. There's no crowd, except for this year. We had crowds right up to the very end this year. Yeah, but. that's what I say. It's getting busy. You know, it's, it is getting a little busier every year and year. At least for me, like, too, my truck even runs better. The air is a little better. It's a little yep. more dense, the colder air. This oh, yeah. Everything about it. Yeah, fall time for me is, uh, I'm fall is probably my favorite. The sand uh, is nice. The temperature is nice. It's yeah. just, it's perfect riding. It's just a blast. And everybody out there listening, now don't come in September Yeah, no, <laughs> we're talking about too much. It's like years like this especially are a real bummer that we have to close it on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Because yep. it's, you know, like a day like today, I'd be out there. I mean, it's nice enough to be out there. Yeah. It just gets so, everybody always asks that. Why don't they keep it open later? And I've been out there enough. I'm like, man, it gets so blown out out there. But that it is the big. That it's it's wicked. Yep. That's like every year, you know, since that's one of the things that I never did, you know, not living here. Once I, you know, living 40 minutes away, as soon as they closed, I never came up here. Yeah. Well, now I'll go out there every once in a while, I'll take a hike, I'll, you know, throughout the winter just to see what happens. And it is crazy. It's oh, like yeah. walking on a different planet in the winter out there. Yep. It's so different. You're like, now the other thing is I go in the winter, I go, oh, I wish I could drive out here. This looks so crazy and sick, but you just got to go yeah. out there and watch and it. We used to go out there in the fall after the wind would blow and go scavenger hunting, find everything they got unburied. And yep. my yeah. parents were big into walking out there because you could walk right on top of the sand Yep. to the point where, and dad started collecting tools so that he had a little toolbox mounted in his dune buggy that was full of nothing but dune found tools that he found in the yep, dunes. Yeah, that was it. It was goal was there was to have all his his little his little tool kit was full of nothing but dune found <laughs> tools. Yeah, and if then, you definitely uh, want to see the uh, the unfortunates of, you know, that's like uh, the amount of times that you watch a vehicle. You know, oh look at this stock Ford Expedition come through this whoop section, crunch, 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 crunch. Yep. That valence that gets crushed into a million pieces. And oh, then yeah. All of a sudden it gets blown over, and it's you just, see that later. The dune cleanup this year alone. I mean, we had the the back of the Duramax was half full of nothing but front valances. Yep. <laughs> we were just like, and then, and then the, the rear plastic skid plate off the razors. Okay. I had so many of those. I'm like, is it just every ray? Is there any razor out there that still actually has one of these pieces underneath of it? Yeah, that's one Because there was things. that many of them on the dunes. It was like, it's yeah, that's nuts. They got the uh, the picnic table on the stairs that you can go up, and yeah, every spring and even all winter long, people pile up what they yep. find out there. People that walk, yeah, you'll go there and it's awesome. Yeah, of course, yeah. If I'm finding tools, yeah, finders keepers, people are keeping that. Oh, Generally, yeah. that yep. table is broken sunglasses or a phone case or broken phone or this yep. or that. But it's amazing the stuff that rolls up uh, that you turns up with the sand overturning. Oh yeah. Yep. And it doesn't take much. You you know, you get, uh, yeah, people qu- 
quit driving on it. And then, yeah, all that stuff starts recirculating back up and you see it. So other than, uh, I guess, doing the picture stuff, doing that, what's the, uh, the winter load like for uh, lately? Yeah, just you do a lot more build stuff or you kind of yeah more a lot more build stuff? stuff right now i'm actually working on a full line of production parts more side-by-side type stuff okay um, so yeah maybe dave that's... and i have been working on under the dune star banner um, okay we're gonna be rolling that out pretty soon so as industry has changed it's you know you say you like you and your dad started with uh you know a custom buggy that he yep. had to build and custom motor that he's building a motor and the progression now has kind of gone towards you getting a lot more side by side probably business. Yeah, well, because- I've always been the. Everybody's always kind of been. I've been the sand car guy. I've I mean, just with a just like just about everything I've I do. I totally just immersed myself in it. You know, I mm-hmm. I watch the industry. I watch you know publications and online stuff. I keep up with the technology. I've been really fortunate that I've spent a ton of time with people like Dan Bedeau, Um, You know, learned it tremendous amount about suspension setup and shock tuning from him uh kellen meadows that was with king forever and then Mm -hmm. had his own i've been just incredibly fortunate to spend so much time with these guys who are willing to share information with me that i couldn't believe and and when i'm around them i just i'm like a sponge i just shut up and i soak it up so i've always kind of been that sand car guy i mean i get messages Sometimes daily, people have questions. So I, I just bought a sand car. I need to know about this. I don't know about this. Yeah. I don't know about, you know, I spend hours just sending people messages because I'm not afraid to tell people my knowledge. You know, some people are like, oh, no, that's, you know, they act like they invented it. And yeah. I'm like, everything I know, I learned from somebody else. Yeah. So for me to not share that with somebody, is, yep. I just can't be that way. I feel the same way of, uh, you know, I... I feel the same way with uh, the pre-runner stuff. I've I've immersed myself into one specific form of long travel suspension, yep. a beamed link pickup. You know, I'll get people, oh, I've got this center mount truck. I'm going to go, honestly, dude, I've never spent any time on it. Like, I know some, just from being around people, I've heard some stuff, but it's like, I've disciplined myself in one area. Yep. And that's like, I've there's areas like sand cars. I don't do anybody justice trying to set a sand car up for somebody because I go, I've never had one. I've never driven one. That's not where I spend my time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you should see a Scott Dion. You should see somebody that's got the experience because, you know, it's like uh, even buying parts. I look at anywhere. It's like, look, does the company do anything? You know, look at the company and what they're producing. Is that a company that just produces parts? And do they have a car they're testing these on? Or right. you just sound, you know, versus this company, it's like, Man, they have a YouTube, and I just saw that thing bash off a rock, and it was yeah. fine. I yep. think I'm going to buy that. There's Those are things that I look at, and I go, hey, if I don't, I can step away and go, you know what? I don't have knowledge here, and I'm going to find the person that does. Those are the things I'm looking for. Oh, this dude's got, he's had this many cars. He's worked on this type of stuff. I bet he's gone through a lot of uh, trial and errors with all these different things. Yeah. But he could put this experience in, to the thing currently. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that is... Yeah, with trade and knowledge, kind of in this thing, you find the people. You know, I've heard uh, maybe even people say like, "Oh, well, you know, things might be clicky." And I go, "I don't know if if, I don't necessarily agree with like maybe there's clicks. It's more of I think it's just you associate with who you know and what you go. Oh, that guy. Yeah, it is. Silver Lake is a little clicky. I do. I do agree with that one in certain aspects. But it's like with the truck stuff. I go. I just can relate. 
to a guy. If I see a beamed link pre-runner, right. I can relate to that guy. Yeah. I see a sand car, I go, I can you go, okay, uh, I know it's a transaxle, but which one is it? I can't identify right. them. So it's, you know, I feel in the, some sets, it's like that situation. It's like, well, I'm not really going to maybe go talk to that guy because that guy's going to make me maybe feel a little stupid because if I ask him a question, and maybe not, maybe the person is, you know, oh, that's fine. You don't know nothing. Yeah, hey, this is uh, blah, blah, blah. This is the 930 CV. Yeah. This is, hey, I wish I had this because then I could rip the wheelies and I wouldn't be rebuilding this thing. That's how you progress and learn, though, is doing that. Oh, and, yeah. That's I, a lot of people. Will, oh, I got a really stupid question for you. My first thing I always say to people is there's no such thing as a stupid no. question. There's so there's many different levels. answers. <laughs> yeah. There's so many different levels of where people are at that it's, yeah. it's you know, I, I often find that when you do share information. So even with a truck, yeah, someone will message me a question and ask. Well, what should I do about this? Generally, my response is about 20 questions back because I go, well, yep. if you really want my help, I need to know this yep. and this and this and this. And what's the end goal with this? And then I get like, wow, this is pretty in-depth, huh? And it's like, yeah, you should. And then it's usually uh, I've got some uh, forum link tabs. Up. It's like you should spend some time reading these and then get yep. back with me. And I'll get some people that get back with me and then it's. And some people just oh, I have a never lot of things back. that are just reserved <laughs> that I can send out, you know, questions about assembling CVs for one thing. A lot of people don't know about that they have to be orientated or clocked from end to end. And I've explained it so many times that I've just got an explanation that I can send over now. Yep. I'm always like, oh, if you've never taken one apart before, do these things. And if you don't, you're going to be sorry. You know, yep. it's like the same thing with suspension. I get a lot of messages. Oh, I don't think my springs are right. Okay, well, I need the weight of your car, the angle of your shocks, the uh, the the leverage factor, mm-hmm. you know, the percentage of droop, uh, all these things I need to know, and I I can figure out your you know your spring rates for you. And they're like, oh, I thought it was just a spring, and I'm like, that's uh, no. <laughs> that's something I wanted to get into and actually go over. So if somebody, because I think uh, that's something that it seems like you see it on the at least for me, I see it come up on the Facebook pages nonstop. Looking for a shock tuner. Looking yep. for a shock tuner. So you're somebody who does. You live up here, and you do do shock tuning for people. What's yeah? It, it's become a lot more difficult now with sand flicks because, of course, okay. everybody always wants me to go for a ride. Yeah, can you go for a ride? And I'm like, honestly, can I put a GoPro on your vehicle? Because I can go for a ride, and I can say, yeah, it's it's off, but that doesn't tell me what the wheels are doing. You know, I really want to see what they're doing as opposed to the train. You know, if it, yep. you know. Uh, you could think the ride feels all right, but the car could actually be packing the whole time. You're just skipping off the top of the bumps instead yep. of dropping down in between. That's I've learned a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's my it's a shock tune. I get quite a p- few questions of like, man, your truck runs good. You want to help me with It's like, honestly, I'm pretty good shock tuner with a 68 Chevy C30 with beams and link pickup. Right. That's what I've shock tuned. Yeah. And the, and every with Fox shocks, I'll get yep. people. I've got these Kings. And I go, honestly, I've never ripped them apart. Like, I think I'm going to do you as your service. Cause I've got scratches all over my Foxes from me <laughs> learning. Oh, oops. You're supposed to take that O ring out first or oops. Like I was telling you, I, I, I just <laughs> like the, I get constantly, well, which is better Fox or King. And I'm like Chevy versus Ford. Uh, yeah. I mean, they both work exactly the same inside. You know, they're as far as I'm concerned, quality wise, they're, equally yep. you know they're equally good products everybody of course a lot of people tend to oh the king king and i'm like you realize king was just a, a really really good at uh pu- publicity yeah like, maybe they're realize, marketing yeah they you know, that's one of the things i've you realized fox was the first to build an off-the-shelf coilover shock yeah that you could buy for a baja vehicle they yep. were doing this for 20 years before brett king built his first shock 
So technically they've been in it for longer. And then same thing with the, the sway away race runners. I, I yeah. get people to buy a car. Oh yeah. First thing I got to do is get rid of these race runners. And I'm like, they've been you, around forever. Do you realize that that was the premier Baja shock for about 10 years? Yep. You know, that everybody ran, you know, if, if you went back and looked at who ran Baja and who won, good majority of them were running race runners. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're an older shock, but. So there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah, they it don't have the, the IBPs or the, the quality of the them. clickers, but I mean, yep. there are there is still a good shock, and I, I've been inside of all of them. They all work about the same, except for FOAs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we won't go down that road, but uh, uh, um, there there are some levels, but for yeah. the majority of you know, and it, it, yeah, the I you see that quite often. The time, to, well, should I buy a king? You know, and even me, it's like I have foxes on my truck. The reason I have foxes is I bought mine used, and that was the best deal I found when I had the money to buy them. Like, yeah, I always tell people fox versus or the fox versus king. Do you how fast do you need them? Because I can call my warehouse today and get foxes tomorrow. I could have them overnighted. Yeah, but kings, kings maybe you gotta wait. I'll be ordering them, and you know, it could be a two week wait. It could be a twelve week wait. It depends on how busy yep. they are. And no, I can't get you to the front of the line because they don't care who you are. Yeah. It's where your, your order comes in is where you're in line. They're, you know. yep. Yeah. So, so both of those brands are to a level. So you're doing, what would be something typical of if you were like shocked to you then? So you're, uh, we were getting to like, for me, yeah, I've spent a lot of time with putting my GoPro on. Yes. My GoPro's been on every angle, yep. on every corner of my car. It's been on the bypasses. It's been on the bump and that's. I've learned a ton through just watching video oh, yeah, combined with driving it. As far as I'm concerned, that is the best shock tuning tool out there to put that on there and then put it on a screen and be able to watch it in super slow motion yep. and see what the tire, especially through the whoops. Like I say, you could think something feels fine through there and then you go oh, back yeah. and look and the wheels are actually just skipping across the top of the train instead of following it up and down, up and yep. down. Because that's one thing with our dunes in particular compared to out west, totally different tunes. Yep. You know, I've very different brought so many cars that come, including the one I had, bought it out west, brought it out in the dunes. And my first trip out in my Tatum, I was like, this thing rides like a lumber wagon. Yep. I thought I was back in a traditional buggy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what on earth is the deal here? Well, it's a totally different train. They don't have rough chop out there, but that they do have is giant bowls. So they set everything up to handle these huge G forces. Yeah. Massive G outs. Yeah. Massive G outs. So it's a totally different tune compared to what we have out here yep. where, you know, we're, here we're we got little beat up choppy bumps everywhere. Small whoops, small yeah. roller whoops. That was the biggest thing when I went west. I mean, my trucks always. I generally have always been on the soft side for running here. Yeah, yep. getting over all the small little stuff, the small whoops. But I went out west to, with to Glamis, and that was my issue. Was just man, I was geeing out hard in some of these spots. I'm following razors through stuff and just coming into stuff, just kind of cringing and going, "Oh, here we go." Oh, yeah. <laughs> coming transitioning out of the bottom to go back up another hill and it was like holy moly yeah just totally was not ready for that type of oh yeah difference. that goes back so uh my first trip uh we went out to be uh with bnl we went out to glamas we didn't know better we went out there on our own and first two days we're out there driving through the hills driving through the bulls like they're silver lake hills yeah, we're going straight through them, up and over, up and over. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the second day, we're miserable. Yeah, rookie I mean, mistake. Yeah, we've been stuck 8,000 times and buried in the bottom of bowls and just just beat up and miserable. And we got and, and so we got to know some people around us that by that second night. And we're standing, we're like, and they're like, oh, you're Michigan. How do you like it? This and we're like, man, I don't know. I don't, there's, you know, we're not ready for this or something. And the, get to talk to them. They're like, 
what do you mean you're driving through the hills? <laughs> no, you got to carve bowls. And we're like, well, that's not the way we do it where we're from. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is, uh, I think back to my trip, you know, I was plan- originally planning that trip, but just 100% me and my wife just going, yeah, 100% solo and winging it. And it developed, I developed a relationship with some guys on Instagram that we ended up linking up with these people. And I just think back to the way our trip ended up, and it was just like, Oh, thank God we had people showing us what we were doing because we would have, yeah, exactly. I would have taken off in the dunes and exactly the whole first day I would have been figuring out, oh, how yeah. in the hell am I getting my truck out of here now? Because yep. that was not oh, what yeah, you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, that's the first time I tried to transition a bowl. <laughs> you know, I go into one and and, and I'm, I'm babyfooting and that was in the twin turbo Tatum and I'm babyfooting and trying to transition a bowl. And next thing I know, they're all screaming at me on the headphones. You better lay into that car. We're done. Yep. There she sat, floorboarded <laughs> yeah. out, both back tires dug in all the way and just spinning yeah. sand and transitioning a bull, uh, you know, and I've, I've done it in my, in my truck in Oklahoma is the first time I transitioned a bull was in little Sahara and that was in, to, but doing it, I didn't know we were going, took off for a ride following a buddy that's from down there in a truck. Hey, yeah, just follow me. Just stay right on me and you'll be fine. So I'm, I'm watching and we're cutting up this thing and I'm like, all right, well, to get up on that hill, I'm going to have to hit this thing pretty hard. And so I'm up first gear, just wide open. I'm running up this hill and I see him going towards this peak and I'm like, what in the hell is he doing up here? And it's getting to the point where to the right of us, I don't like, it's kind of like marshy water to where like, I don't want to go down this hill. Like I have to go up this thing and follow him. And yeah, he just goes up and I just see him just disappear over this crest and just, so if you're in a truck, the big difference is that you're looking over a hood. So you're looking at blue sky. Yeah. I saw his dune flag. Just I'm looking at his roof line and his flag, and I'm looking out my left over my hood at blue sky, and I can't even see dune anymore. And I just see him disappear, and I go, huh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I guess we're just cranking it left <laughs> over this top of this thing and falling on the other side of it. And it we did. We popped over, and as soon as my hood dropped down, we're perfectly in this perfect bowl now going down the backside, you know, finishing this arc out. And it was, I mean, I let out like a scream to the point where I was so excited. I was like, that was the sickest thing. Cause about five seconds ago, I was shitting my pants and thinking I was dropping off. Oh, yeah. You know, a drop off. You know, I'm thinking back up and over stuff. I was like, what if there's a five foot drop off? What if the, it's not a trans? And they're like, yep. no, it's a bullet it transitions. Those spines are, you know, perfect arcs into it. And, then the rest of the day doing that, I was just like, oh, this is sick. I get it now. Okay, this makes sense why people do these bulls like this. Yep. It's a different thing that, yeah, we don't have them here. Yeah, no, no bulls You here. don't get to do that <laughs> bull transition. Doing a bull to bull transition, you at least got to go to Little Sahara to do it. Yeah, that's what this year, uh, I tell you what, I've had a lot of fun in the bulls. Uh, the, the, you see it out here on the dunes a lot. The last trip we made at BNL, I had the green Tatum two-seat mid-engine that green LS seven okay, powered yep. mid engine, which that car in Glamas and the bowls was like a slot car. Cause it's mid engine. It's got a little, you know, perfect weight balance. Okay. And that was the first time it was like literally going out of a bowl mid air in transitioning. The car would lean oh, over into the like next bowl. List for it. Yeah. You're we like were actually them. going, you know, yeah, I was actually sick. going airborne over the spines from one bowl to the next. Yeah. That's Before nuts. that, it was like just kind of rollover, and mm-hmm. it was a, a whole different world then. And up until then, that was because up until then, I just wasn't really sure about the bowl scene. It was kind of cool, but it just wasn't me because I was a Silver Lake guy. I wasn't used to it. Yeah. And then that green mid kind of really changed my opinion on the whole bowl riding because that car, 
like I said, it was like a slot car. I felt like I was NASCAR in it with yeah. the addition of going airborne between bowls. <laughs> that's I think like for me trying to do a take a five thousand pound truck through that stuff. Yeah. The whole time, the like when I'm in, I like it in Oklahoma more because Oklahoma is way more fail safe. It's not yeah. like being out in Glamis if you're bowling, you can really get stuck real bad out there. But Oklahoma, you know, you can you can pull out, you'll get out of it. Yeah, you know, for the most part. So I like ripping those a lot more in the truck because yeah. most of the time I'm on the hill first gear, wide open on the rev limiter, going. We're either going over the top of the spine or we're turning right and going to the bottom of this hill because I don't yeah. know how much horsepower and weight. And there's a lot of those moments where when I was in Glamis, that's what scared me to the point where I was like, if if I had confidence that I knew this thing could take any angle, any pitch, but you have to pop over these and adjust, or I was like, the oh, this truck works on momentum. So there's bulls out there you could get buried in that well, they they have a sky crane helicopter that'll come get you. Yeah, good if luck paying for that yeah, thing. You, the snowcat, they have that snowcat, which I've told, I've been told, is about five grand to yeah, get it be, out. But if you the, want the helicopter to come lift you out, it starts at fifteen thousand dollars. So I, at that point, I, we talked about it last year when we were out there because I last year Kent, Kent had been out there, but other than that, everybody else pretty much that I had gone out with this last year this it was their first trip. And of course I was the experienced veteran and we were talking about, you know, getting back in the bowls and I'm like, yeah, don't get stuck down on the bottom of one. And, and they started telling us at camp, you know, that, you know, well, yeah, you can get the sky crane helicopter to come out and get you. And it's like 15 grand. At which point one of the guys with us, Todd was like, I don't know if I should be riding out here. Then <laughs> yeah. I can't afford that. He goes, we'll be, we'll be piecemeal in the car out one piece at a time. It's going to be a, it's going to be suck trying to carry that LS up the hill, but <laughs> yo. We'll carry the car out a piece at a time before that happens. That was uh, some of the wake-up call. That was my same experience as being out there with the group I was with. My first time, out, I'm out with side-by-side guys, so they're in Razors, and yeah. I'm in this 5,000-pound truck, so it's that's the other. That was my thing. Is I, they're, I'm following them through stuff to where I know their vehicle's more than capable, and I'm like, hey, I don't know if you understand that I'm barely making it through some of this shit, so this is really scary because exactly, they're like, Oh yeah, there's a snow cap, but it's exactly like you got to pay per mile, and even to get the thing out here, it's like about way we were miles away from this thing. Yeah, and they're like it only goes like 15 miles an hour, so it takes or maybe you pay by the hour that it leaves yeah, the garage, and so then it was like you were already several hundred dollars before they even get to you. So I was oh, like, yeah. oh man, yeah, we shouldn't be doing maybe some. Of, I never ended up taking at that point. My truck still, I had some tuning issues, didn't have a converter. It all came down to where I was like, I if I start sliding down in one of these bowls, I do not have the horsepower to get this thing back yeah, up one of these hills. And I was like, I don't belong out there. Not even for this me. last year, we had uh had that Colorado. We picked up uh that Colorado sand truck while we were out there, and of course, he's running it through the bowls with us. And everybody's like, guys, just don't do that out here in mm-hmm. those. You know, even though that's just it's a, it's little, a doom buggy, but it's you know with a truck by you know but it's front engine. And yep. Everybody's it's, just like they just you just don't take those down in these bowls. Yeah, the big bowls. I mean, it's it's definitely risky. The people that are doing it, and you know that's where it makes sense now being out there. Why there's so many people with the side by side? You know they'll do that all the time because okay, you, you might be able to get a side by side out yeah. with a couple others, but yeah, that was the biggest thing is I'm following side by sides around and going like. Uh, yeah, I, I can't get this five thousand pound truck buried anywhere. We are super screwed. That's <laughs> so. that's what I was getting at was uh, this last trip to Little Sahara this fall, 
And we got down there, and of course, Ricky decided we were going to put paddles on his truck for the first time. And I kept going back and forth. I kept saying, I don't know. I, I think it'll be all right. So first, I'm like, well, maybe you wait till like the last day or something so you don't break it on day one. Last trip down, you know, first five minutes of the trip, he took every gear out of the transmission, but first. So then the rest of the trip was Ricky driving around on the rev limiter in first gear. In first gear, trying to Yeah, couldn't get any jumps off it or anything like that because it was just living on the rev limiter in first gear. So we put the paddles on it, and then uh, that second night, and we went with a big group of side-by-sides that night, just us, our truck, and then me and Ricky and Dusty and his truck and a bunch of side-by-sides hitting bowls in that truck. And I tell you what, the most fun I have ever had in my life carving bowls was in Little Sahara and Ricky's Dune Sarge truck. Yeah. In the middle of the night, in the dark. And I mean, he was just on the truck. It was pulling harder than it ever had before because of the paddle tires. Yeah, it's hooking up. And and he, Ricky being the way he was, those guys were not going to get away from him. Yeah. I mean, those were guys that are there every weekend. They know that place the way we know the dunes. And Mm -hmm. they were hitting those bowls like that. And and Ricky's come, and we just kept looking at each other as we're doing it. Every every break we got in between the action and just going, this this shouldn't even be possible. Uh-huh. How are we even doing this? You know, we're just God. totally shredding and just carving these bowls like they were a turkey. And like you say, in this fifty five hundred pound giant extended cab pre runner yep. truck. That's what I mean. You get on these bowls and those angles, and it's just like I can look to my right at this whatever angle I'm at pitched at, and there's. You can't even you can't see any sky. It's just sand out yep. the right window, and then I can look out my left, and I'm looking at nothing but at the top of a ridge line yeah. that you're gonna pop over eventually, and then a skyline. And yeah, you're just exactly the whole time I'm doing it, I feel like I'm just a giddy little like this is insane. I shouldn't be allowed oh, yeah. to do this, but we here we are, and we're That's, doing it. I, I tell you what, I know. I'm sure Rick could tell you it was probably the biggest smile he's ever seen on my face was when we stopped from that ride. It was just like. Man, it was amazing. It was just this last time I was in, and I'm still to the point where I love the pre runners because you know it's more along the like everybody always calls them a trophy truck. Of course, that's obviously being a a big off roader. Trophy trucks are the you know the the top of the mountain to me. You know, of course, everybody thinks of pre runners a trophy truck, and but I'm like very different. (laughs) I still feel a little uncomfortable in the trucks because I'm used to seeing more. Like you said, when you go over a hill, you know. You have, it's I very will jump in with view. just about anybody and ride with just about anybody, but I find myself holding on in Ricky's truck, and it's not because of the way he drives. It's just because I, I feel different sensation than being in a side-by-side or a sand yep. car. It's hard. Especially to, cresting a hill. It is hard to relate that to people. That's where I, like, the biggest thing with me, I used an old pickup. Like, uh, why don't more people build trucks like these? Like, because they're actually, like, not the best thing. You know, if you're actually coming from after, like, oh, I want to see really good and I want to have good vantage points. All it's like, no, yeah. When I'm going over stuff, I see hood and sky most yeah. of the time. I mean, yeah. you're you're going into stuff a little confidence and blind. That's where, like, that moment of following that first spine that I ever did with a bull turn. I'm glad it ended up happening that way. I'm glad my buddy didn't tell me like, hey, we're gonna go and do this and like this is how the way to do it. It was trial and error. It was I'm ripping them and yeah, same way. It was like. Well, and at that time, I didn't know the place. That was my first time ever down there. So I was like, well, I can't lose them because I can't get lost back in here. So I'm following them and exactly just going up that dune and being scared shitless, going, I can't see shit. Yep. I hope he knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, that that's that sensation. Now when I go down there, I've been down there enough and I've ridden with those guys. 
now that sensation is more of like, all right, I know what's coming. I can, all I can see is sky, but we're going to pop over the top of this yep. thing. We're back in, and now I can see again. But there is moments where it's like, like yeah, you pop that. It's like, yeah, there's four or five seconds. You, I mean, you're just going for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we even, of course, our last year, the first trip down there, and I had gone down with Don Bowie then, and he's got the yellow and purple extreme twin turbo car. Okay. Yep. He had just had a bunch of work done due to the motor and right before we left. And I had gone and got, he wanted more traction because he was building so much. He was building, you know, a thousand horsepower at that point. And I had cut, I had narrowed the wheels for him and got, you know, brand new 35 fives on it. And we got all this and we, and, and then brushless fans, I talked him into this uh, whole brushless fan idea. We get down there first morning, brushless fan sensor don't work. So the fans won't run. We're in an, so I'm like, you know, we're in Oklahoma, just drove all the way there, you know, et cetera. I get on, I pull out my cell phone. I'm calling every contact I have on the West Coast. I get a sensor there and we throw it in and me and Don take it out to go test. And it's just the two of us and it's working. And after two days of 113 and the shade of working on this car and not, so now we're out there and, and we're just having a fun, you know, it's just yeah, having everything a blast. Is working. It's coming yeah, the car, it's, it's just, we're just screaming. And we pop over this hill, and it's the steepest downhill I've ever seen. And there's about a 30-foot-across pond at the bottom. <laughs> Yo. And it's so steep. Don actually told me afterwards, he says he thought about trying to turn to not go through the pond, but he was afraid we'd roll. Yeah. And his, his only thought that he said, the only other thought was he thought we could skip across it, so he just lays into it. <laughs> well, when you're going downhill into a pond... You don't skip. Yeah. So this was like, it was like, I always tell people when I tell the story, I'm like, it was like being at Cedar Point on the log ride. We went down and hit that water and that's a full bodied car. And it was like, you could just watch this wall of water come up over the front of the car, up over the windshield. But then because it's a full bodied car, once it got past the windshield, it just like literally wrapped around and came in on us. In the in the side windows. Oh yeah, in the side windows. I mean, just we're drowned. The car makes it through. We pull out of the water. Of course, Jack Farrell, he's in an open Tatum right behind us. He sees us go over the hill and go down. He sees Don nail it as we're going down the hill because he sees the sand go flying up off the top. So Jack thinks, oh, there's something fun on the other side here. <laughs> yes, Jack we. comes over right behind us. Same thing. He sees, he literally from the top of the hill sees us going through the water ride. Uh-huh. The water's 30 feet in the air, he says. And he knows he's like I got no choice but to do the, do the same, same exact thing. Yep. So we, you know, we we just yeah, we both go through it. We stop, and it's so hot down there when we went that first trip. We get out and we're laughing. There's actually literally seaweed and cattails hanging from Don's car. You know, <laughs> Don's beautiful long travel that he just keeps immaculate, mm-hmm. and there's seaweed and cattails hanging off of it all over. We're all laughing about it, having a good old time. We, you know, dry out the air outerwears, dry out the air cleaners. All of a sudden, we realize we're all dry now because it's so hot down there that we dried from this 20 minutes of standing in the sun. Yeah, you fry in the sun down there. I always, the group I hang out with, every time I'm down there, I'm just complaining. I'm like, how do you, your guy's skin survived this? I am literally feel like I'm, my skin's frying. I feel like a pork skin right now in this stuff. It's so hot. We didn't know. So I had been at Glamas a bunch of times. So I was thinking Glamas, you know, it's hot fairly hot during the day and then it drops to 35 40 at night yeah so i took all the sweatshirts and everything else and we drive straight through that you know with no preparation is oh we're going a little sahara we jump in and we go and 
We get down there with that whole big group. We roll in at literally like three in the morning. We jump out of the truck and it's like 108 at 3 (laughs) a.m. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. You know, we're just, we had this one camper with an AC unit on it that ran the entire time we were there, but I don't think it ever went below 99 with the AC running. What time of the year is this? September. Okay, you went in September. Yep. Yeah, see, I generally, I go late fall usually when I go down there. Yeah, we didn't which, know better. Uh-huh, yeah, that's like, yeah. the group I go with, I asked them, I said, oh, this place, yeah, it's year-round. I go, oh, you guys don't come, they don't go in the summer. I go, well, you don't come in yeah. summer? Oh, yeah, good luck. It's hotter than hell. It's over 100-some yeah. plus degrees every single day. Oh, and they didn't even consider it was hot, because then we all, we run to Walmart, because like I say, I, I brought clothes for glamas. I didn't even bring a pair of shorts. You know, I'm expecting it's going to be, you know, maybe eight seventies and eighties tops. You know, I'm not even, not worried about it, you know? And it's just, we all go in there and we're all looking for shorts and we're like, where are your air conditioners at? And they're all looking at us funny. Like, well, it's not even that hot. What are you guys worried about? We're like, not that hot. It feels like I'm on the sun. It's so funny going to different places. That's like, uh, when we were in Glamis, the same thing around like the fires, we went in Glamis in like December Mm. and it was yeah, we're around a fire, and before the sun went down, it's like I don't know, it was sixty something. And I'm wearing jeans and like a hoodie with like a beanie on, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect, feels great, standing around the fire. People have full on winter jackets, these big, huge, like puffy oh, yeah. faces. They're shivering and freaking. They're just like freaking out, and they're like, how are you just standing there in a sweatshirt? I was like, uh, when I left my house, it was twelve. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Oh yeah, I was like, if the sun was out right now, I'd be in a t-shirt. So yeah, there's always the uh, the mass differences of, you know, yeah, the biggest would being like the uh, the night train, yeah, night riding out in Oklahoma. Some of the funnest trips is you get all these people with lights on, you got these whips going, people are ripping around, you're doing pulls. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, that's I. When it comes to night riding, I love Little Sahara fret night. Glamas yep. to me, still to this day, is very intimidating at night. Yeah, it's a little scary. My first trip out there, our first night ride, I mean, it was like, and we're, and we're again, we're transitioning bowls and your lights are shining off into the sky. You're like, okay, I guess I'm just going to turn off into this black abyss yep. and I hope it's okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Even as to the next level of in the daylight, it's already not seeing much. Yeah. But yeah, then at nighttime, same thing. Yeah, I've done the Oklahoma bowls. I haven't done really any bowl stuff in Glamis just for the reason of, Yep. When I was in Glamis with my truck, it was not as capable as it is now. Where it's yeah. like, if I I need to get it back there because now I could do some stuff. That's if you ever seen the the Coyote car when I built it. The front of that has like six pods <coughs> across the front end, and then okay. it's got all the light bars. But then it had these six pods all lined up, and everybody always thought. And we were like, well, it's because when we go to Glamis, the outer two get- we're going to get turned way down and out. Yep. The next two will be not quite as far down and not quite as far out, etc. So that when we come to these bowls, we could actually see down off the edge. Yep. So I've got, with my truck, I got that spotlight, that GM spotlight on my yep. truck. I used that in Oklahoma. I started finding oh, yeah. uh, this last trip, we were night riding, doing bowls. And yeah, I just have, I have a light bar in the grill and my headlights. And yeah, same thing. I would be going up these bowls. And other than taillights, I ended up getting behind this guy that he didn't have taillights. So I was, I was, there was a few seconds I would like, I'm literally losing. I was like, I'm following lights. Well, then I lose the lights once he pops over. I couldn't see his headlights. So then I have this spotlight where out my driver's window, I realized, I was like, oh, I have a spotlight I can turn around. So I had that thing shining, yeah, pretty much like off yeah. down at the ground to illuminate 
the ridge line. So then as soon as I would disappear the headlights, this my spotlight was shining on the ridge line and I knew when I would pop over it. Yeah. So that was one of those things I was like, wow, that's pretty sweet. The 50 something year old spotlight still is uh, paying right. off for me <laughs> yeah. because none of my lights are all shooting at the sky. I have nothing that's illuminating the ground for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, Where a, that stuff, was a big learning experience. Here in Server Lake, I've never had to do that. I don't need that. Oh yeah. That's, you know, everybody, we, we, well, we even did that at BNL. We had all them, you know, high end Vision X light bars and rigid light bars all on the shelf, for, and it was like nobody ever bought them because I mean, who at that time who was going to spend you know twenty five hundred dollars on a light bar when we can only ride yeah. in the dark once a year? <laughs> yeah, that was a big, uh, you know, the lights are still a big thing here. I mean, people still buy whips and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. There's some night riding, and we get nights, but until you go experience Oklahoma or Glamis nightlife, it's like. Oh, this is where lights get used. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. People are, I mean, yeah the uh, the first time in Glamis and actually having people like waking up and people are still ripping, like people are still flying by you in cameras. Like, oh yeah, it never stops. It actually never stops. Yep, there's all types of. Day oh yeah, people our are first going. my first trip in Glamis that first night we're laying in the camper and it's like two in the morning and somebody come down through there right outside of camp in a big sand car, you know. And of course the other big thing out there is uh, you know it's no no noise regulation so it's open headers you oh know? yeah so just for a horsepower junkie like me it's just music to my ears yep and we had got in real late that night so you know it was already dark when we got there didn't see anything and you know set up camp and heard a few people off in the distance it was on a weeknight you know and saw some lighted whips off in the distance or whatever but then it, we weren't going to try and take off that till the next morning and go ride but and we heard them first sand cars come through there at night and i'm like let's go we need to go now. We're missing something. Yeah, we got <laughs> to get like, going. We didn't come all this way to, you know, 40 some hour drive to, to, to I'm not I'm done with sleep. Let's go ride. Yo, I'll sleep later when you get back to Michigan. Yeah. Let's say they got our first trip to Little Sahara. You know, like I say, we rolled in there at like three in the morning and it was like, all right, how fast it, it's, you can ride here 24 seven. Yeah. How fast amazing. can we get unloaded and, and, and get out there? Yep. Yeah, the night like, because even the 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 little bit of night riding we get to do in here, you know, depending with daylight savings and the time of year, the right weekends you go, you get some darkness, you get to use your lights, but it's you're still on a timeline, you know, you're just waiting, you're counting down. All right, whatever time, you know, nine thirty, I gotta, they're gonna start, yep, driving around with their sirens and chasing us out of here. We're out there, it's literally, yeah, you're like, you know, that was, uh, I. I realized like the first day I got down there, I was kind of, yeah, chopping a bit. I was like, man, why aren't we in the, do-? you know, we're hanging out at camp and this and that. I was like, why aren't we off doing Like, let's go. I didn't drive all yeah. this way to sit around. And as the day progressed, you know, we went out there during the day and we come back, we cook, went out there again at night, come back. And yeah, I was like, man, we didn't get much dooning in. They're like, what are you talking about? We got night dooning yet to do. And then we'll probably go out, come back and we'll probably cook again. And then we'll probably go out another time. I was like, oh, okay. So by the time we ended up get going. We're, it was like three, four in the morning the first day. I had been up now for like 20, close to 30 something hours. And now I'm like, holy shit, when are we going to be done dooning, guys? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. That was, I didn't expect you know, uh, going to Little Sarah the first time. Of course, didn't sleep all the way there. And we had the, you know, the, the whatever it's supposed to be about 18 hours from here. You know, and it took us 20 some hours. We had 18 million flat tires and. It just went on, you know, because we were traveling in a big caravan and yeah, everybody kept everybody. having flats, you know, and it, and it was cool because we were like NASCAR style. Everybody would attack it. And, you know, we went ahead, we had to go into a bell tire and and have new tires put on like three different trailers. And, <laughs> you know, it, 
it was a crazy trip getting down there, but you know, so yeah, I've been up for, you know, close to a day and a half and it was like, no, let's go ride. You know, we're only here for four days. You know, I'll yep. sleep, I'll sleep in five days. Yeah. We'll get it later. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, you know, just keep partying and riding and partying and riding. And, and, you know, and then of course, then the little Sahara nightlife, that was a whole nother story. You know, yep. we weren't used to that. We were in the, the campground at that time. That was a free for all the behind Sarah, the behind sand sports. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like nighttime came and the place turned into a rave party. People had <laughs> DJ lights going and DJ speakers yep. set up. And it was just like, you know, we're just having a great old time, having a few adult beverages. And then all this big group comes up and they're like, oh, let's go ride. And we're like, oh, man, we've already been drinking. Oh, so are we. Let's go ride. And we're like, oh, that's, uh, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and pass on that part. But <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a different kind of experience. Things, you know, realizing the, uh, when I, the first time I was at Glamis, I just was so naive to that. Where, yeah. uh, you know, seeing rolling up with a lot of people, yeah, and then just every person having a drink in their hands. Where I was like, you know, and then being offered, yeah. hey, you want one? You don't got one. And I was like, you know, and you know, not trying to come across as like we're better. It's just like, man, I this is it was very shocking, and it just took me back. I was like, whoa, like I'm just not used to this in Michigan. I mean, you got a cooler, oh, yeah. they're searching it, they're asking, they're checking you out, like just not used to that and it takes you back but yeah we were in glamas and we were, it was our first day and we were down at swing set and there's all these big cars sitting around you know all big big high-end long travels everywhere and we're having a good old time we're meeting people and then all of a sudden i think it was albert says something to me he says you notice anything and started looking around he's like you realize everybody down here has got a beer in their hand Yep. It's like, uh, how about we get loaded up and we get out of here before the rest of these guys take off, you know, at a hundred miles an hour after drinking all day. Yeah. So, you know, I love my, you know, I have no problem with drinking. I, I'll enjoy adult beverage you know, very occasionally, but I just don't think it mixes with the off-road scene. I just, that part is hard for me to, I mean, I'm like when I'm off-roading, you know, I need, you know, my reactions are far more than what I would be on a road and I won't drink and drive a car on the road. So why would I do it off-roading when, yeah, you know, I need my reactions to be double what they are driving down the road. It's definitely it's a big, uh, you know, I try to I look at it from the ass, but you know, it's definitely something. If you're gonna go out west, if if you're from Michigan, like it's definitely something not to be be naive to because it definitely happens, and yeah, yeah, you'll notice. But it's it's one of those things that yeah, when I was out there, yeah, it's like well, I'll just protect myself, and you know, yeah, I just I just use my judgment, and for yep. me, it's something I don't feel comfortable doing and handling, so I don't do it. Yeah, no, I, but I then it's never... like. You know, you're, you can't, you're not going to not avoid it out there. So it's, if yeah, it's something I'm that I'm not going to tell somebody else what they should be doing. Exactly. I, mean, I just I've, look at it from, it's like, well, no matter what, I'm going to just keep myself in a position that I feel I'm in control of. And if, whenever that starts getting out of control, you know, there was, uh, in Oklahoma at one point, I got in a ride where I was with these people and yeah, there been some drinking and it just was starting to be chaos. And I was like, I'm, I just literally pe- just peeled out of the line and just went off and found some other people that I was hanging out with. Cause I was like that group and that ride, that was pretty nuts. It was getting, people were trying to pass and it was yeah, all over. Yeah. And I just was like, I'm out. I'm Get good. Artificial courage going. Yeah. And I was like, I'm good. I just, not for me. Yeah. And it's, you just fit in where you fit in. But that is a, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, Oklahoma. I watched these two people on a grizzly quad fly by me, but it's pinned as one of those things can go, you know, probably 45 mile an hour. No helmets. They're riding yep. duels. They have like yep. the back seat thing on it. The guy in the back, it's a woman driving it. The guy in the back's got a beer can in his hand. No shoes on, no shirt. 
just hooting and hollering. And I took off. I look over. I go, holy crap, how'd they get that in there? And they go, and my buddy, what do you mean? I go, That's, they're riding doubles, no helmets, a quad, and the guy had a beer in his hand. They're like, yeah? And I yep. was like, holy moly. <laughs> you don't see that in Summer Lake. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. It's just different. It's different than what we see. That just you realize with like the Silver Lake stuff. There's, and I, I think we got. I got talking with Ricky. This it, at the end of the day, it's like you just have to. We don't have the space. Yeah, you know, like even with Oklahoma, like like when I was with that ride, I, like I said, I just literally peeled off in two seconds. They were over hills, and I lost them. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, no big deal. I'm gonna go over and hang out with these people now. Silver Lake, yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't even don't even want to imagine. No, it's, you, it's too small. The, it's too you know, small. Our hill, our terrain is different. That's that's everybody always says. Oh, that, you know, 400 acres. How do you have any fun? You'd have to see our terrain to understand it. Yeah, you really do. It it's the different. It's different ways of using them. And you know, I like I Glamis definitely. It seems is a much more nightlife place. You know, the yeah. the, the majority of people are taking advantage of being out in the dunes. Pretty much whatever goes unregulated. Silver Lake. To me, and this is where I describe it, it's like if you want to come in a daily driver and you want to get your fix of people drag racing, people jumping, people doing wheelies, people on dirt bikes jumping, I mean, literally any you think of, you can find it and you can park in one spot and see all of it. Yeah. For the most part. And then it doesn't take much. Like Glamish, you're really committing to towing out there. You're in the, you're in a desert. Yep. You know, that's where the biggest thing is like, Silver Lake is sand, but there's it's not a desert. There's a town right here. There's a town next to it. There's yep. a pretty big town even further down That's the highway. That's the biggest thing I've heard from people like when we brought Jake the Dirty Dooner out and Wilkie and those, when we brought them out for Long Travel Roundup. And that's what they couldn't believe get yep. get over. Well, the lake for one thing that was Jake's big thing. He's like to, to be able to just see the big lake right there and have yep. the beach clean. It's and just it's so different. Not salt. You know, it's freshwater yep. lake. It's right there. You go swimming in it. And then to have the town, you know, and, and the the campgrounds and and the way we do it. Of course, the the other side of it was oh, they were like, what do you mean you got to haul? You got to have a parking spot. You got to yeah tow your stuff back and forth. You know, you and then like with Wilkie's car, it was like. What do you mean? We got to put a spark restaurant? We got you know. Yep. I'm like, oh, you you realize you got open, you got a blown, you got a supercharged LS with open headers. Yeah, this ought to be interesting. <laughs> yep, that was the same thing I went through this year with uh, when I teamed up with the the side by side blog guys when they brought the monster trucks in here. Okay, yep. you know, and and day one, and and we were down there and they're setting up and. I said something about sound, and the guy, oh, yeah, we brought our mufflers, our indoor arena mufflers. They were little four-inch-long, straight-through <laughs> mufflers. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything because this isn't my show, but I don't see this working out. But it was a weekday, so day one, everybody's like, how did you guys ever get those you know, in there? I'm like, honestly, day one, there was nobody at the guard shack. Yeah, they just Because they, we in. were like, all right, we're almost ready. So I'm like, all right, I'll run up to the top of the entrance so I can get you coming up the entrance, you know, the entrance row. Get some shots and video of you coming up. And I'm up there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I'm thinking, man, I thought they were almost ready. I'm like, I'm and you know, 20 minutes goes by and I'm nothing still. And I'm thinking, I think the DNR showed up and shut them down. Right about then, I heard them firing them up. You know, two alcohol, blown alcohol motors with almost <laughs> open headers. And I'm all the way up on the dunes and they're crystal clear. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, this is never gonna happen. Right about then, here they come, turning around the corner, coming up at me. And I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe they got in. I you heard know? them fire up from my house because I came out there that yeah. day. That When stuff like that happens, the benefit of being here is, yeah, I was outside and I heard those things fire up and I went, 
Time to go to the dunes. <laughs> Something is there yeah, that and I we need to check done, out. And it was a weekday, so there was no DNR. So we had done, you know, because it was like 20-minute run, hour cool down. 20-minute run, hour yep. cool down. So we did, you know, test hill, and we did the first set of jumps and another set of jumps. And then we were going to go to the drag strip to do some shots down there. The blog guys were going to drive them, and they were going to do a few things down there. And we're at, they, everywhere we went, they, had to, they wanted us to escort them. Okay. So we had vehicles all around and we're driving across. And then, of course, as they're driving, these guys are just, you know, they're having their typical horsepower junkies. They're having fun in their trucks. Yeah. They're burping the throttle and everything else. Right as we're going by a DNR truck, of course, these guys don't know better. They don't, they don't know that the noise and the, you know, they don't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's on it in the monster truck, just full on giving it, giving it to it. Right as he goes within 20 feet of the DNR truck. <laughs> I watch him in my rear view mirror hook right around behind us and start following us. And I'm like, yep, we're in trouble now. He followed us to the drag strip. And he was, it was a, uh, I think it was Rob. I can think if I'm right. One of the, I can't remember which officer it was, but he was cool about it. He gets out and he just stood there and waited till they got him shut off. And the guy jumps out and he says to the driver right away. And he goes, well, we're not even going to talk about sound yet, but he goes, where's your spark arresters? <laughs> And he looks at him and he goes, what do you mean spark arresters? What's that? <laughs> you know, it's hard. Uh, I've, it's hard to explain that to people where it's like for the people that only come here like on a Saturday and deal with like a trailer voucher, you get some people, ah, oh, it's doing suck. It's too busy. They, they're yeah. all over your case. The DNR want nothing to do to bust you. It's like, I feel very differently because yeah, it's like, and I, you can't really promote it, but it's like, I mean, honestly, if you have something that you're a little worried about is you're oh, it's a little on the borderline of being loud you come on a tuesday morning most of the time there's not even someone at the guard shack yeah. so it's like you you find these scenarios where people roll in and yeah then it's and then if you're doing something out there though yeah they'll come and find you though hey okay that uh is too loud let's sound chest this thing or let's check you out yep. you know it, for the most part they're not trying to bust your balls they're generally no, not you know of course with all the events that i've put on long travel roundup and heroes on the dunes I know, and I've got a really strong relationship with Jody, the park manager. Yeah, and, and at BNL through the years, you know, he, we worked hand in hand with him with trying to come up with solutions to get get them down to, to to noise level without sacrificing too much horsepower. We played with a lot of different things, and and I, I always tell people, I'm like, trust me. I mean, I've had the conversation with Jody. Jody wishes he didn't have to do sound testing. Jody yeah. will tell you he's an old dirt biker. He's like, I like my engines loud. I like them, you know. Yep. But it, it it's just he's got rules it's the to way enforce. The state of Michigan, yeah, he's the guy that's supposed rule, to enforce the spark arresters. Everybody, it's all sand. Well, in the state of Michigan, they look at it as it's just part of the trail system. Yeah, and you have and to our have trail that spark system arrestor. has a lot of woods. Yeah, it's, and you have to have that spark arrestor, so they don't make an exception for the dunes. Yep. You know, Jody will tell you firsthand himself. He's like, you think I want my my rangers to get yelled at ten times a day like they do? When they have to bust somebody and won't let somebody in because they don't have a spark arrest. Yep. Or that I want to do sound testing or I want to do vouchers. He's, you know, he don't want, it all creates a bigger headache for him. But, yep. I mean, he's got rules. That's the same thing I always tell people. You know, if you get stopped for noise or spark arrestor, don't take it out on the officer. Yeah. He didn't make the rule. Yep. He's there for one job, and that's to enforce the rule that he had absolutely no input on whatsoever. I genuinely find most of the people that I see get in trouble with that type of stuff. They knew it was a rule before. Any, oh, they yeah. just went, "Well, I've gotten away with it for years." Yeah. I went, "Well, good for you. You got lucky. Now's the time you got busted, and now he knows what your vehicle looks like. Yeah, and now he's gonna catch you every time, so you might as well just do it. 
Yeah. You know, it's yep. like because you're a target then. Yeah, that I mean, and that that generally does happen. I've had buddies, you know, you know, get spark arrests or have straight through mufflers and then well, I'll go in the next day, different people working. Well, guess what? That officer showed up and then, hey, let's check your muffler again. Cause did you do a muffler change in one day? Nope. All right, you're done. And yep. Exactly. It's like, well, now you're a target. You now you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. Back well, the first or back when I worked for Billy Ray, the first long travel I ever rode in was uh Technically, I rode up with a, friend, a customer that he had named Mark, but uh, so I had never ride traditional buggies. We grew up. I was working there, working on some. He had a customer that had a twin turbo long travel car, um, had a small block 383 twin turbo in it. The guy showed up one day and he wanted to go on the dunes. Well, this was back in the days of changing tires to fit in the trailer. Oh, yeah. And even though he had a jack and had electric impact, the guy's like, hey, you know, if you'll uh, help me change my tires, you want to go for a ride with me? I'm jump. I'm like, yes, you know, I've never been in a long travel car. Let's go. So we get down in the parking lot and I, I, I'm like, oh no, I got this. I jacked the car up, impact gun and changed tires out right away. Let's go. So all we did was drive up the approach hill and the guy that used to be a big fixture here, crazy Kenny that had okay. the buckshot that went absolutely mm. ballistic in it. He's sitting at the bottom of test hill to sit in there. Mark knows him. Mark drives right over to him. Kenny's sitting there by himself and they're talking and Mark says to Kenny, hey, this guy's never been in a long travel car before. You want to take him for a ride? Kenny's like, sure, jump in. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. So I get in Kenny, you know, getting this buckshot, you know. It was a nice car I rode out in, but this is a supercharged buckshot. And I strap all in, and he fires the car up, and he dumps the clutch, and the front end's in the air, and I'm just in heaven already. And we're charging up Test Hill, and he's second gear, and he's grabbing third gear. And I'm thinking, he's going to let off. He's going to let off. He ain't going to let off. <laughs> we cleared the entire backside of Test Hill, landed almost in the flat. And, I, and I'm like, at this point, I'm like, this is, I've never jumped any. I mean, I'm yeah, like, just through the roof. I'm like, like yeah, away. I'm like, I don't even know what any, it's that way the rest of the way through. Every hill we get to, we're just airborne like I have never been in anything in my life. I've been flying airplanes my whole life and I've never felt a sensation like this. Yep. You know, and, and that was it for me because I uh, we went through I went through two laps with him, got back in, got back in with Mark, went for a ride for him, get back. I went back to my parents' house that night and and told my dad, and he you know, still had his traditional buggy, and I'm like walking the door, and I said, you know, I hate to say this, but I don't think I can ever ride with your buggy anymore. <laughs> my dad's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just went in a long travel, yep, and I'm done. <laughs> uh, that's the the amount of times that uh, it's it's almost I. I sadistically, I find great fun in taking people that have never been in a pre-runner, getting them in my truck, and then getting them out and hearing them say, "Wow, I need to sell my whatever I have because now I need to get this." That puts a big old grin on my face oh, to yeah. go, "Sweet, I just ruined your life too." Because <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the because <laughs> I I want as many people to get into it because yeah, these feelings are they're you know a lot of times it's you can describe. You know, coming over some hills, you get, yeah, weightless. A lot of times, uh, I'll get people, you jump some stuff. Do we just jump? Because half the time, they can't tell if the wheels are off the ground or not off the ground. You get, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's where I, like, uh, I was telling Ricky, I take great advantage of services like Sandflicks. If I'm giving people rides and someone like you or other photographers are out there, I'm trying to get past them and say, hey, stick your, stick your head out the window yeah. while we go over this hill. Give them a wave and, like... Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool when I heard that because actually this summer in particular, um, there's another good friend of mine, Tony DeVito. Um, he's got the purple buggy that says Dune Star on it. Nick DeVito drives it a lot. Okay. 
Everybody calls him Uncle Tony. He a lot of times he, he he's another one who just he's always by himself just about and just will give anybody a ride to ask. And he nope. doesn't drive crazy or nothing, but then a lot of times it'll be me and Tony will be sitting there, you know, BSing and somebody will walk up and look at his car and ask for a ride. And he'll be like, sure, but you got to get a picture from this guy when I'm done. And, you know, and he'd got in that same thing. He would drive by me several times. He's done it all summer yep. with people on board and a couple other guys. And then I've heard that, oh yeah, they did buy pictures. They bought pictures and they were so excited. Yep. And then when you, you said that too, and I'm like, so that actually really is kind of catching on that, yep. that people take advantage of that. Just like the rentals. That's I, I've really tried to get the word out. I'm like, how do we get the word to all these people that come into this town, yep. rent a Jeep or rent a Razor, go out on the dunes, come off the rental and then they leave. Yep. That's where I say the the really cool thing with the and it it really it doesn't work unless you have a guy out there literally just clicking a button on every yeah. single vehicle because you don't know you get that one family literally you can have a person that's going well we come here one time a summer or we've never been here and then it would just literally take them finding out there's a picture if they oh, yeah. know about it go that's oh there's the a full picture the, I the can buy on Fox Road that we just yeah. put up. That was a yeah, big I know I take a lot of advantage of it, and I've had several people, yeah, message me back with like, oh, I found this picture, and yup, I actually found my face on it. Took you know, and then I get to took me all day because there was you know x amount of thousand pictures, and everybody asks, everybody always says yep. that. Well, how many pictures do you take in a day? And I'm like, on an average day, between eight and ten thousand. Yup. So I've had it to where I've been in, so I've been in there and maybe given, I've given like twenty different people a ride in one day before, like maybe the most extreme day where I've been out there like morning till close. To where then that was like, and other days where I was like, yeah, I found like your truck, but it took me the whole day to find it because then every time I'm zooming in, seeing if it was me and you're giving somebody, it was somebody else and I couldn't find my, the picture with me in it. So, but that's where, I mean, I'll get right up to, that's where I've learned for, I uh, had somebody message me that was like, I wanted to buy a picture, but I couldn't tell which one was me because you're too far away and every time. Then I was like. All right, well, I'll just drive close to the photographers yeah. now with these people. So that way. Yeah, because there was a lot of cars. Of course, you just like a lot of the, you know, being local, you usually end up, I usually end up seeing you in the evening. Yep. So there's been a lot of times that I've, I haven't had a lot of pictures that I can actually, because I do all the posting too, mm-hmm. that I could post of you because a lot, I'm like, I, I got these sweet shots of Nate, but then I get them uploaded and it's like, oh, it was too dark. It's real dark. And it's, uh, yeah, the colors don't come out in it. And then, uh, because there's one, actually, I'm going to be posting here one pretty soon. I was going to do something a little bit different. I've never played with black and white pictures. Okay. But I can do that with my software. And I have one that I have picked out of your truck that I was like, you know, being an older truck like that, I think it'd be really cool to do a black and white one. Yep. And I'm probably going to do it this coming Wednesday to do, I I like doing themes for days and I'm going to say, oh, black and white Wednesday. I think you're, well, you're just, I mean, that's the other attraction of being a Michigan Dooner is... We got six months of off season that we got to try to keep the addiction going. Yeah. Of uh, you find a way, you know, the photographers build up photos. You know, it's how come you don't show every picture you got at all? It's like you got to keep that. I'm like, you know, you got to okay, keep the so little. This was a going. short season this year, and I took 164,000 pictures Jeez. this year alone. This season alone. I guess. Do you do you know the numbers on pre- previous seasons of to compare? Because yeah, we, what do we have? We had two months off this season this yeah, year. Yeah, two well, full that was months a off. Late start that it was right around there, and then I missed a few uh, weekends. I had a weekend in Kentucky for my nonprofit, the Heroes Operation. We did some. Yep. We did a trail ride down there, and um, a few other weekends. Well, the one weekend for a little Sahara that we were gone. You know, I, I actually missed. 
I don't know, three or four weekends total, I think. And you still uh, took, what did you say, 164000 164000 and change. So, yeah, that's nuts. And, and that's, yeah, so I actually, that kind of upped my game, I would say, a little bit, because that's right around where I was last year for a, for a full season. season. Okay. So, and I actually was trying to back off some this year because I do, obviously all my, all the jumps and everything are a lot of burst shots. And yep. I found where I was doing a lot of, almost a little bit too much of that. And I was like, you know, and I, I tried to get, I, I want alternating angles. So like if somebody was coming at me in like a, at a regular old pickup and I would get them down in the flat before the hill and then at the transition of the hill and then maybe coming up the hill, going over and then going away. And I was like, you know, one or two of those pictures would have sufficed. Because you know, <laughs> yeah. when I go back and look at them and then look through the files, I'm like, you know, I could have cut out about six of these pictures. Yeah. But then it, you just don't know. I'm like, I got to the point where it's like, you know, you don't know what shot is going to be that spectacular shot yeah, when you're. definitely. You know, I'm literally out there when I'm taking pictures, when it's when it's active, I'm literally, I'm bouncing from one vehicle to the next and just pushing the button. Just you know, my, my only thing is, Concentrating on trying to keep it centered in frame is the yep. only thing I'm concentrating on. Because that's I've had people tell me, "Oh, how was that? How would? How did that look? How did this look?" And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, concentrate on later. keeping it centered in the frame. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, when the, when they're uploaded, I've gotten messages back. Oh, did you see what so and so? You know, was when they what they did when they were going by you? And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. You know, yep. We've had a few where it was like, oh, did you see that girl popped her top while you were taking pictures? And I'm like. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm like, oh man. Well, now you're gonna have definitely. That's gonna definitely up the traffic flow to the Sanfilis website. <laughs> yeah. People snooping. Yeah, no, we gotta get rid of those ones. <laughs> those ones don't make the cut. You know, we try to keep it, you know, family friendly. And, oh, and uh, but it was like it's it's been, it's been amazing though because I just get, I get so into the moment and I and I'm so concentrating. Like I say, on keeping it in focus and keeping it center shot. That's where I was going to get back to. I was like, if the fact that you get back to where you're, if you're looking and going, oh, I need to take less pictures. The reality is like the probably in the moment, you're just excited about what you're doing. And you're going, Oh, I'm a, that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. And it's, it's the work later. I mean, that's the hindsight of people, you know, Hey, where's the pictures? Well, yep. this is a lot of data, you know, the yeah, so speed's a little slow right now. Every Saturday night, Dave and I, you know, we'll, we get off the dunes usually and we'll go back to the cottage there and we'll have some food or whatever, and then start a fire. And then Dave and I will start the uploads and, and everybody will come and hang out at the fire and then they'll slowly, they'll die off. And at the end of the night, it's always me and Dave. Still just sitting there. Maybe Jamie Walker, when he's there, it's just the three, two or three of us just sitting there till three, four in the morning, Waiting for finishing uploads, <laughs> you know, especially with the lovely internet speeds here, you know, yep. it's like, and that's, that was why I originally, I kind of was like, you know, to cut some of this upload time down and then to go through them all. It was like, you know, I need to cut some down, but it was like, the more I seemed like I like tried to, well, I won't take that shot or I hesitated on taking shots. And it seemed like I was missing great shots then. Yeah. It would be like, oh, I should have. I, I, why didn't I take that picture? You know, because they came I off. I say the reality so of a lot and, of this, you know, when people are, wow, how did you get, you know, it's got to be the spot. The reality is, is just probably the, you're pushing the button a lot more than the average person. So yeah. you're going to catch every once in a while, you're going to catch spectacular stuff on there. Yeah. And and just looking at and watching how vehicles, you know, when in the morning I'll get out there and I'll set, you know, I'll usually set, I'll. I'll eye up a spot and I'll usually sit there for a couple minutes and watch some people drive by and see how the terrain is. You know, if they're able to cruise right through there or if the transition's too tight and they're, you yeah. know, 
if it's a it's a rough ride or something like that, you know, and then I'll avoid that. I'll go to someplace else that it looks a little like I'm going to get more action through there. You know, yep. that's what I want. I want to be able to get as much shots as I can of whatever. And then, you know, generally I tend to sit on one or two hills out there. But then this year, you know, with the the windy days come up. Well, I couldn't stand on top of a hill yeah. <laughs> in a 40 mile an hour wind. I could. I tried. But then there was so much sand in the shot that the, you look at the picture and it just looked horrible. Yep. So it was like, all right, I went and ex- experimented with some new spots that I found down by the water holes. You know, it was like, yep. oh, I, I don't know. I found, oh, if I got an off day and, you know, the hill isn't right or it's too windy, I can go down and sit there in that corner where you come off of exit and then I'm either going to get people playing in the water hole or else, you know, everybody on a dirt bike, I'll stand down there on the wet sand and everybody on a dirt bike, as soon as they come around the corner and see me, Front ends in the air as they go yeah, by me. Rip, rip so I'm like, wheelies. oh, it's cool wheelie shots all day long. So, you know, it's it's a different kind of a shot, but than what I'm used to with sitting on top of a hill. And then like this this year, I don't know why, but it turned into just the jump fest every weekend. It was like I think I think this is a thing that uh is notorious that I hear when I go anywhere where I go other than Michigan, I definitely hear people go, Michigan people are kind of nuts. I go, Yeah. Our season, so our season. Wow, our season is short, and I think that's you get people, you get all winter where your pent up people are building, making things faster, bigger. All right, more to, more suspension, and then we get out, and then like a year like this year, we you cut two more months off our season. I think people were a little uh, buck this year, a little. Oh little yeah, because it wasn't wild. even just jumping stuff that we no, expected to jump. People, you know, I got so many crazy pictures of you know jeep xjs that are 15 feet in the air or <laughs> you know a daily driver looking uh step side you know pickup truck that you know out launched everybody that day and it's yep. just it's just insane that i think uh, people that, yeah, got a little uh i don't know why you know and year. it's like every time I, I would set up and i had never seen until earlier this year the the kind of crowds where i would like i was sitting there all day and then all of a sudden i turn around and look and it it's cars lined up for a hundred yards on both sides watching it. And I'm just like, yep. it was just me in here an hour ago, you know, just standing out here with my camera. It's really cool being, uh, being someone that, yeah, is local to the point where you spend, you get, you get to spend, uh, enough days out there and see how crazily different this place is. This yeah. Is, like right now, this time of year, you drive around anywhere around here. You know, and if you didn't know the dunes were here, you wouldn't suspect anything of it because it's it's just dead ghost town here. Yeah. And then and that's where times like like right now I'll drive leave to drive to work and it's like man, there's nothing here. This is crazy, and I live in this place. But then it's also it's like yeah, but six months from now there's gonna be people all up and down this road. It's you know mayhem. Can't go outside and not hear the dunes. I can hear the dunes from my place, even if yep. there's if there's one person on a quad out there, I can hear them. To where for me. You know, like right now, you don't hear none of that stuff. It's crazy kind of seeing the transitions. And even from a 4th of July weekend, you know, it's a when a lot of people will be up here during a week. It's like, oh, Wednesday before the 4th of July or something. Eh, it's busier than normal. But then all of a sudden, Saturday rolls and it's like, how did all these people cram in here while I was sleeping last night? Where did oh, they come yeah. from? You know, and yeah, it's that was my first year living here. Of course, I, the first year I lived here, I rented a house right behind Wild Bill's rental. They're right in downtown, right in town, so like, yeah. so it went from all summer to I couldn't even barely get out of my driveway. But yeah, to just that people first, are everywhere. you know, then that first uh, Labor Day hit, and it was like the great exodus. <laughs> and know? it was just like I watching everybody leave, and and I see that every year now, and it's like, yeah, and especially now it's now it's more like end of the year when the you yep. know, closing day, and it's like watching everybody leave, and it's just like. 
that was been my hardest thing living here, moving from where I was to yep. here. Of course, I grew up, you know, in Clarkston, Grand Blanc area, and I, you know, I had every restaurant within five minutes and every store within ten minutes, and and I moved here that first year, and it's like, wait a second, what do you mean I can't get food after nine o'clock? Yeah, wait a second, there's only four restaurants. Oh, the gas station closes here. They're yeah, not, they're not open all twenty four hours. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> That's really, and it's still, even after you know, I've been here almost 15 years now, and it's still, it's like, it's hard to get used to that part. You know, yep. and it's like, even the restaurants we have, I'm like, I've ate everything on the menu a hundred times. <laughs> Especially we had B&L and we got carry out lunch every day, like open hearth. I'm so ruined on open hearth. Yeah. Not a bad restaurant, never had anything bad from them. But if you eat them every day for four years yeah. for lunch, I mean, it's like, you're so burned out on it. Yep, that is the, yeah, it's just the, uh, it is the transitions of how kind of wild it is to see exactly like, you know, living, I'm pretty close to Deer Road, which is a lot of, for people bringing in trailers yep. and bringing their stuff in. It's exactly all week dead. Saturday morning, nothing but I hear diesels peeling out from the stop oh, sign yeah. here, through the trees. That's and it's just like the first house I bought here in Silver Lake <laughs> was on Deer Road. I was just up the hill okay. a little ways past the drag strip, little white house, two-story house right next to the road. Yep. And yeah, of course, then I was like, because my parents are about another two miles away from there and their house. My parents, they wanted, my dad said he wanted to be near, close enough to the dunes, use his buggy, but he didn't want to live. They first looked at places right downtown Silver Lake type yeah. area. And they were like, you know, we're going to live here year round. This is not going to be fun when we're, you know, when it's tourist central. That's pretty much, yeah, I got on the north side for that. I can, yep. when it's crazy Saturday, I can get out of town and leave if I need to and avoid, yeah. which I, yeah, is perfect for me because, and then as soon as it's time where it's like time to get the truck out and time for me to be doing time, it's five minutes and I'm in it. Yeah, I'm exactly. right there. So yeah, it's, yeah, that's what I like it. I'm I always tell people I'm like, yeah, it takes me about seven minutes. And my friends all from downstate, and they're all like, oh yeah, three hour drive, three hour drive. I'm like, yeah, it takes me about seven minutes from my drive. That is one of the best entrance. things with Silver Lake. <laughs> is, yeah, the the things with Glamis and o- Oklahoma is they're in the middle of nowhere. So you're, I mean, it's yeah. a camp experience. It's a different type of thing. It's being a local now, and even if you're not a local, someone that trailers here a lot and comes here, even it's like, yeah, but exactly it's like i can make breakfast and within 30 minutes of me washing the dishes after my breakfast i can be out then jumping my truck in the dunes yep and then an hour after jumping the truck of the dunes i can roll through town and then back home and that's all done before lunch even happens and it's that i have a lot of fun doing that type of stuff there's being that uh you know i have other hobbies besides the dunes that's where i've really found myself I've actually started doing some of my hobbies, you know, more on a Saturday. It's like, well, screw it. I ain't going to the dunes on Saturday. Or if I do, yeah, I'm going to go at night, sunset, once people are all parked. Yeah. That's just what it's evolved into for me. You know, moving here, that was never, I never really thought that would have happened. I was so used to the Friday, Saturday, whole day thing out there. Mm-hmm. As soon as I moved here, that kind of went away. I kind of turned into like, yeah, Tuesday, yep. 930 in the morning. Same thing good with me. Thing. You know, that's when I had my shop. Uh, behind wild bills there my first shop and then yeah every yeah so every night five six o'clock in the afternoon i'd be on the dunes yep after i'd, I'd work all day long and then be like oh it's six o'clock i'm, I'm going out on the dunes catch sunset ride or whatever and then i didn't hardly ride very very many weekends at all i might do an hour or two in the evening yep. for the weekends too i was like it's a zoo out there but so that was one nice thing about with picking up sand flicks was going back to now I'm out there all you, day long. You get to see people again and you're yeah, interacting. Yeah, I see a lot more. Yeah, you get a lot. Yeah, that's the, this year in particular. It started last year, but this year in particular, 
probably one of my biggest thrills, all the people that stop and talk to me, you know, and I'm always like, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to keep taking pictures and talk at the same time. I'm not trying to be rude, but I got to do both at the same time, but I can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. So we can do this. (laughs) And it's, I'm not recording video right now. So, you know, it's no big deal. Um, but all the people that stop and talk and then, and then they're like, how long you, I'm like, I'll be out here all day long. You stand here all day long. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, this is, this is my, you know, I, I, I tell people, I love little Sahara. Absolutely love little Sahara. I love the terrain. I love the vibe, love everything about it. Obviously I love glamis because if you're a sand junkie, it's the Mecca, Yep. but Silver Lake's always going to have my heart no matter what. I've had people that, you know, have gone out there and be like, oh, no, I had this, Silver Lake's ruined for me. I went through that with skiing. You know, I yeah. grew up skiing Pine Knob, and then I started going to the mountains. Yeah, that's and a different it ruined thing. me. And then same thing with snowmobiling. I snowmobiled in Michigan my whole life, and then I started snowmobiling in the mountains. And it ruined me. I, I mean, I couldn't. I'm like, I can't ride a groomed trail anymore. Yep. And the same thing, I went from I went from skiing down a, a little hill on, on man-made ice to, you know, being in four foot of powder. I'm like, I cannot ski these Michigan hills anymore. But with the dunes, it's different. It I is, mean, yeah. I've been to all these other riding locations, and I'm like, Silver Lake's still always going to have my heart. No matter what, it's 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 just got that special spot. It's different. I'll love these other spots, too, but Silver Lake will always be special to me. Yeah, and I feel that's the same thing. It's hard to put into words. I feel I can uh, feel exactly what you're putting down for the fact it's like I've been to all these other places. They're all amazing in their own rights. But as far as like from a living local, like I think it's like, if I was a local at any of the other places, it's like, man, I don't want to be a local to any other dunes than Silver Lake because just for the, you know, it's like you can't, I can't own this house two miles from Glamis. I can't own it yeah. from, you know, Pismo is way out of my budget to own something next to Pismo. So that's unrealistic. Yeah. And you that's know, just about closed down. Little Sahara. Yeah. You're in the middle of oil drilling and cow pastures out in the middle of nowhere. There's not much. So it gets to the point where exactly I can, like, man, for what we have and, you know, there's days I go to the dunes just to go swimming because it's hot. You go, well, oh, it is Saturday. It's going to be a zoo out there, but I don't care. I'm just going to drive my truck right down to the beach because that's the nearest beach to my house going through the dunes. And I'm going to swim for an hour or two, and then I'm coming home. Like, yeah. that type of stuff is, is is kind of undescribable and unbeatable to put into words of. It's kind of a it's a pretty crazy place that exists right here in the little handle yeah, of Michigan. Yeah, and, and especially for my whole family, it was just such a fixture. You know, unfortunately, I lost my dad a couple years back, and that's where he wanted to be. That's He yep. wanted his ashes out there, and that's, out where, in the we, that's where we went. So when I want to – I know exactly where dad – where where he was spread. And so, I, you know, when I want to when I want to be alone with dad, that's where I go sit. And then and then the events, you know. Um, yeah. The, the heroes on the dunes, being with Shannon in the very beginning of that, and then taking over the event – which led to the create, you know, my co-founding the Heroes Operation, yep. and and then Long Travel Roundup. You know, I was involved with that. You know, helping to set up, and then at BNL, and we took it over, and then being able to take it, you know, the next step further with Dune Stars, with us taking it over from there. You know, and I've I've been so immersed in in putting on those events and organizing them, and and being involved with so many people that it, it just it means so much more to me. You know, yeah, especially Heroes on the Dunes. That's that's my Beyond uh, everything else I do, the, the that event and the Heroes Operation is is next right up there with my passion for the Dunes. Is let's uh with we're about we're a little over two hours now, so maybe let's uh bring let's finish it up with that. Let's talk about some of uh, your uh 
because the hero's operation unfortunately with the last couple of years i've gotten to do it one time with my truck of participating and yeah. giving rides um the other year dirt fest was the same weekend and i was already involved with that and then the other year my truck was broke so that was not happening regardless but the one year i mean i still to this day it's that's something uh uh experiencing that and being able to be involved and you know there was uh there's some conversations that i've had with uh some veterans and you know pretty much giving veterans adrenaline i had uh, you know this guy that was uh telling me some things that he's experienced and just hearing and it was like this thing where i was like oh okay this kind of turned into uh, this guy i just needed to be an open ear this guy kind of yeah. started shedding some things and it all was because and he kind of thanked me for the fact he goes i haven't pretty much come down and he goes i haven't had the shit scared out of me since i was in iraq in war and then he goes he goes i haven't felt adrenaline you know in years since i've been back he, you know he was wounded he, he took quite a bit of work to get him in my truck yeah but it was it was very moving to go holy shit where i even got uh his wife had hit me up weeks later after the event and said he was a different person yeah all from this experience of for the fact he kind of realizes like oh i can't experience some things you know, this guy was maybe in a mindset where it was life was hard for him being back here. And then it was like, you know, I got these messages from his wife and it was like, wow, this is way too much praise. Like, honestly, I was there because I wanted to drive my truck. Like, yeah, this was way bigger than I expected it to be. And it still it. So from there, I've always paid attention to what you guys have done and kind of uh, the impact it has. I feel that resonate through anyone that kind of participates i've i've talked and heard several, several oh, yeah, situations for a lot of people i always are, tell people that you know that, that have talked about either coming out to volunteer to give rides or just volunteer to help set yeah, up just or to do help food or at all and i tell you everybody i'm like you know i have been incredibly blessed in my life to do some amazing things and i you will not find a more rewarding day than yep. heroes on the dunes and it's that day that I was out there too. Probably, you know, I think it was like, oh, funnest day on the dunes. And actually, all right, I think I gave nine nine uh, veterans rides that day. And it was one of those things where it was like, I never, you know, not like being reckless, but just like I never let my truck cool down. You know, it was like pulled yeah. in and they'd be, hey, do you you need truck? That's, you that's you need time to cool big. down or should we get another? It was like, shove the next person in here. Yep. Let's go. I don't give a that's shit. That's always our biggest thing. And that's why we've always <laughs> capped a number of vets. So the first year... Well, it goes back to Shannon Eifert had the brain. He was the brainchild behind yeah, the Heroes started on the it. Dunes. And at that time, I was at BNL, and my dad worked for me at BNL too. My dad was a very proud Vietnam veteran. My family had a lot of family service. My grandfather was a highly decorated officer in World War II. And Shannon came in and he and started talking to my dad. Hey, I got this idea for this event for Heroes on the Dunes. Of course, my dad. Being a Vietnam vet, he had uh, my whole life. I was raised around. My dad always said he felt like he he came home to an ungrateful nation, and he always said, "As long as I breathe, I will never see another soldier come home to what I came home to." Yeah. So we were always big on you know being involved with VFW and everything like that. So as soon as Shannon brought up that event, my dad says, "Yes, whatever yeah, it takes. 100% what in. do you need? What do you need from me? I want to be involved. I want to help. Let's absolutely. You need to do this." So Shannon got it up and running. And that first year, I just worked with it as a volunteer myself. I gave rides all day long yep. that first year. From there on, it was like, all right, I want to be involved. I'm not I'm not here just to give rides. I want to yeah. be part of the event organizer. Well, I didn't know anything about food, but somehow I got dumped out. I was the food guy. I had to get the health permit. Yeah. I had to you know, make sure that I had to go through all this rigmarole. And then, then 
then it turned into also, well, let's see. Well, now you can do so good at that. You could be the food guy for, you know, hero for the long travel roundup as well. Yeah. But, but anyways, uh, it, that was how it kind of birthed. And Shannon did it that first couple of years. And then Tyler and I took it over. He kind of handed off the reins. He said, you know, he just, he wanted to be able to just come and participate himself. He wanted to give rides and yep. enjoy it instead of being stressed out of putting on the event because it is, Either one of those events, or it's a giant stress ball. Yeah, and yeah, that's the at the end of the day when people are, it's like you gotta understand, like you know, me speaking as a person that like I like to participate and be involved. It's like at the end of the day, I'm an adrenaline junkie that wants to drive his truck at the max capability yeah. that I can, and if that means also taking a person around, now it's like, and I'm one of you know, if 50 people volunteer. We're chomping at the bit to uh, get going, and oh, yeah. you get one guy that's trying to direct, and hey, listen to me, we're all got our own plans and ideas of what we think. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. It, 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 it's a lot to, to pull <laughs> off. But that kind of birthed uh, the idea for the Heroes operation of, you know, it was such, that, that day had such an impact every year on so many people, so many of the veterans, and for us, the I'd volunteers. say even the participant, the volunteers, yeah, yeah. Th- that it was like, how can we do this more than once a year? Mm-hmm. How can we make this impact bigger? And that was where the idea for the Heroes Operation, which is now a full five hundred one c three. I'm the director of the board on that one, and we got Janet Dodge, local real estate. She's our secretary. Okay, and uh, Anthony Munafo, who's on the other side of the state, um, good friend of mine, veteran. Really involved with veteran stuff downstate. He got involved. He became the president. And then Eric Jestring became our vice president recently. And again, his family has a cottage here locally that they rent out right in the dune area. And kind of involved in the dunes. But we took the idea of, we noticed that these off-road vehicles, which we have a whole fleet of them now for the Heroes Operation, which are all independently funded. No no, uh, No donations go to even gasoline in those vehicles. Those are all independently funded vehicles. We are a true, I always tell people, I'm like, one thing about when I started this, um, I used to give away a lot of donations when I was with the uh, the aviation company I was with. And if your CEO was making a half million dollar, you know, $500,000 a year or a million dollars a year, you're not getting my donation. Yeah. The money's going the wrong place. Yeah. So Heroes Operation, we are a true nonprofit. It's wrote right into our bylaws. Nobody on the board will ever receive any compensation whatsoever, et cetera, but we saw that these off-road vehicles gave us an opportunity. So my primary focus with Heroes Operation originally was just wounded veterans. Now it's police, fire, and first responders. Expanded. But it's it's PTSD-based yeah. with uh, what they go through beyond physical wounds, but PTSD. Well, the thing with PTSD, you know, I can see somebody who's physically wounded and has a physical limitation. That's You can see it. You know it. PTSD is a hidden demon. Yeah. You, you could have a conversation with somebody. You could spend an entire day, week, or month with somebody and never realize that, that what they're going through. Yep. And you can't, especially, you know, especially military. Yeah. It, there's, there's a training and mentality there that admitting you have a problem like PTSD is a source of weakness. Yeah. It's a sign of weakness. And which is actually the exact opposite. Admitting you have that problem is like the strongest thing you could ever do. But it's just, it's the, it's the, the training and the mentality. 
But if you get them around that off-road environment and you, you get them around, let's say, a built-up side-by-side or a pre-runner or a sand car, and you get to talking about the performance part of it and the, the parts for, and the aspect and the building of it and then the riding of it, and you, you could, that's how you develop this repartee between the two of you yep. to where you can get to that comfort factor that you can start to talk about if somebody needed help or if they know somebody that needs help. Yep. And it goes over much smoother that way. So that was what kind of birthed it. And that's why, you know, this year we did, we didn't do Heroes on the Dunes this year because of yep. the COVID, but we did do the trail ride in St. Helen, which is going to be every year now that we're going to do that. Okay. The fall so that trail was the ride. first. Yeah. That was the first one uh, that we decided to add that as a separate event. Plus the, the ride that we went down in Kentucky okay. that we're going to continue to do that one too. That was what we were invited to. Yep. Um, actually, that was one of the things. So we were invited to this ride in Kentucky by a group called Never Satisfied Off-Road. Check them out on Facebook. Great group of off-roaders. Not really dune people. They're trail people. They like their mountains. They like their side-by-sides. But just a great group of people. They put on an event every year that they had raffles and everything else and raised a bunch of money. And then they would look for a veterans group to donate it to. Okay. Well, they happened to find us on Facebook, reached out to us, and invited to this event. So they raised all this money and donated it to us. Well, whenever we have money come in, we don't like to sit on it at Heroes Operation. We like to find a place to put it right back out. We don't want to sit there and say, oh, we got $2 million in the bank account. Well, it ain't doing anybody any good there. Yeah. So they they, we're like, how do we use this money they donated to us in a way that kind of reflects on them? So we were like, oh, let's start a trail ride. You know, we went, this was a trail ride that raised the money. So let's start a trail ride for veterans and first responders. You know, and then we wanted, you know, we needed to do it someplace else in Michigan. So we looked at St. Helen was the perfect opportunity. Okay. And we're like, oh, let's do it in the fall and have the leaves changing and, you know, and, you yeah. know, we were like, oh, we, we went into this year just winging it. We expected, we were hoping, oh, we might get 70 people to show up. We ended up with like 190 some wow. vehicles. So it so exceeded your expectations. Oh, of, greatly even exceeded with COVID. It. Yeah. It was an amazing day. It was right on par with Heroes on the Dunes. Okay. I mean, the the reception for the veterans and first responders, and it was just overwhelming. And then, you know, just in all those different stops and, and being able to intermingle with people and talk to yep. different people, meet new new different people that from different walks of life, either they're metro, you know, military veterans or first responders, police, fire. The really big highlight I have to say on this one this year was we had a... Uh, Afghanistan veteran, young guy, he uh, came home blind, lost his eyesight there. Still a bit of a thrill seeker. So, you know, he still was into thrill things. So he was going to go on this ride. Well, we found out that he was, you know, a bit of a thrill seeker. So we came up with this plan about halfway through the ride. We knew there was this stop we could make that was like a big sand pit. Okay. So we stopped at this and we had Kyle Jennings, the Nashville recording star there. And we got out there and we called because his name's Carl, and he didn't know this wasn't going to happen. We're like, hey, Carl, can we get you to come up front? So Kyle goes over and leads him up front, and we put him, we strapped him in the, the driver's seat of a side-by-side, and Anthony, our president, jumps in the passenger side and says, and you're going to drive now. And Carl's like, I haven't driven since I lost my eyesight. You know, and Anthony's like, no, we got this. You're, I'm your eyes. I'm going to tell you what to wow, do. Wow, nuts. And That's he's crazy. like, he's, Carl's all worried. I don't want to mess up your machine. And Anthony says, if you crash my machine today, it's going to be the greatest day of my life. Yeah. Now let's go. And he, yeah, we've got pictures and video of him. And he didn't just barely, you know, he started out slow, but Anthony, if anybody knows Anthony, 
it wasn't very long before Anthony's like, no, floor it, floor it, gas, brake, turn. We're the, so they were doing donuts. So and, you got this big, wide open area to where, yeah, yep. he's, you know, he unfortunately has not been able to see it, but you got a guy, a passenger who's yep, passenger directing him what to do. Him, and, you know, turn right, turn left, turn harder, turn, you know, gas, brake. But that's a, so yeah, the, you know, if, it's hard to explain, you know, I, a lot of people that probably listen to this, I think can relate to the thrill. The reason why we do this is it's those G forces, the noises, yeah. the, it's all of that stuff that just cause the guy's lost his eyesight. Now he's behind a wheel and yep. you know, you gotta even, because there's for me, some of it's terror and horror. I want to be scared sometimes. I got to imagine if you're being, if you're being told, Hey, drive this thing going, oh, uh, yeah. I don't have my eyesight. You go, you're going to probably be a little freaked out or and scared. Even if just as a passenger in a long travel or a, or a pre-runner or a side-by-side sometime, try closing your eyes and going for a ride yeah. and feel that sensation of, of not knowing but yep. feeling it. And that's what I can't even imagine doing it in the driver's seat. I mean, it was... Oh, yeah. Mind-blowing. But that's essentially... That's that's what you're giving. All that is to give that... Oh, yeah. Because that's what, you know... We've already it. heard from Carl's family, you know, several times that, you know, he was just... He can't stop talking about it. It's like, that's yep. why we do this right there. Yeah. That that's is awesome. the reason why we do this. So looking forward to uh, 2021. Hopefully, I mean, are you guys planning on a regular season? If there is a regular oh, season, yeah. are you yep. trying to just move forward and progress and oh, plan? Yeah. And yep. yeah. Heroes on the Dunes, we we tried really hard to put that to on keep this it. year. We came up with every possible i mean we even gone we went out and uh, our president anthony went out and invested an enormous amount of money on sanitizers fogging sanitizer i mean we were taking the cdc guidelines and taking them to the you know doubling them yeah to try and pull the event off and it it came right down to the last minute and then it was just like well in the fireworks thing you know we were going to put on the fireworks and when that went south and we were basically told that we could try and put the event on, but, and actually the DNR basically asked us, please don't put us in this situation. Yeah. Can you please put it off this year. And then from the state stand, the rest of the state, you know, as far as like law enforcement, et cetera, they, we could have brought everybody here and then been told you got to scatter. You can't have this many people in one place. Yeah. So we are like, how can we pay, you know, the bring in these veterans that, you know, a lot of them, we provide them a way to get here and get them all here and then have them turn around and go home. We were like, yeah, we just can't do you it. can't do it. And then the other part of it was no matter how hard we tried, if something would have come out of that event that was COVID related, it would have been such a black eye on such a beautiful event. That is like, very true. The, we had, just... it came, you know, we waited till the last minute and then finally it was like, we've got to pull the plug. Yeah. Those are some things that, you know, yeah, I just hearing that I didn't even think about it, but yeah, you think about it, it's like, if the thing goes off without a hitch, it's great. Oh, sweet, we made it work. But yeah, yeah. the unfortunate what if yeah. something does come of it, then exactly the same thing with Roundup. The, you know, the post we, stuff you're dealing with. We did with. not want to cancel Long Travel Roundup at all. Me in particular, I've been at every single one from the first one. I was yeah. like, and you know, I've put it on. I've done so much of the organization and everything for so long. It was like, did not want to cancel it. It was like, how can we do this? How can we do this? And it was. Again, the state basically asked us, please don't put us in this situation, and we can't actually offer yep. you a permit. You know, everybody's like, well, you could have done it. With-. I'm like, no, yeah. you could do it without a permit. I can't. I have a good relationship with the DNR. Yep. I hold multiple events. I need permits. I've got permits for photography. I got permits for long travel around. I got permits for Heroes on the Dunes. 
I got to keep that relationship. Yep. I cannot. That's what burn you know. A big thing that I try to make sure we put out is is that fact that the DNR generally yes has. If you've got a bad experience with a DNR, you know every everything's circumstantial. But from the standpoint that I'm looking at, it's like generally you might have you probably brought it on yourself because I've been going to the dunes for yes 15 years now and driving my truck, jumping my truck, driving my truck at speeds. I've had one interaction with the DNR in the dunes, and that was just happened to be semi recently when I was telling on the podcast, towing somebody out the entrance. <laughs> you know, kind of pretty much, yeah. Really, I looked over hindsight just for the fact, ah, oh, no one's here today. I'll just do this thing. But it's like I've gotten away that many times. It's like because I just follow. It's not hard to follow the rules no. and just listen. I mean, yeah, That's... there's a lot of rules, and sure, there's things I would love if they weren't. But at the same time, I go. But we still are allowed to do this stuff. It's still insane that you get to pay your 40 to 50 bucks in stickers yep. and you got this whole entire park to use at your disposal. It's yeah, pretty nuts. You know, and, and the DNR, you know, you can criticize anybody in any walk of life. They do a really good job of what yeah. they do with Oregon Run and the students. I would not want any of their jobs. Nope. You're dealing with thousands of people coming in there on their own agenda and they want their they want everything their way. Yep. We're all that way. I never would never want any one of their jobs. And then to, you know to be at the gate and turn people away and deal with being yelled at and screamed oh, I at can, for yeah, exactly for minimum I mean. wage to stand there. And, and it's like <laughs> yes. they, you realize that the people you're screaming at, number one, they didn't make the rules, and they have no way of saying, "Oh, you know what? I just won't enforce that today." Yeah, you exactly. Know, I mean. It, that is oftentimes the the people at the gate. It's a summer job position, yeah, like a minimum wage. They're standing there, and they got told, "Hey, up, you got a spark arrestor stick. Put it in a muffler, and if it goes to the bottom, you don't feel it. Tell the guy he can't go in." And yeah, it turns into this. What? What do you mean? I've I've been coming here for about, and it's all the time. It's like you know what? Hey, if you got away with it for years, awesome, sweet. But you got caught now. Now's your time to. Oh yeah, there was. I find that with like uh, with like the the sound testing it. You know, they, I've heard the, uh, well, you know, I've, I've never been sound test before. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe some years they hit it harder than others. But at the end of the day, if you get on the DNR website, the government website, the rule's been there every year. It's oh, still yeah. in the book. Everybody, it's... People, yeah, we used to, of course, at BNL, I got it all day long because people would come in there yelling and screaming, they won't let me in. Yeah, trying to find a, okay, hey, well, we got some solution for you, but. Ah, oh, no, this is just a racket, so you guys can make a bunch of money. We didn't make the rules, and trust me. <laughs> yeah. I would rather not make this money off of you than have a noise regulation. Yep. But the fact of the matter is, our dunes is surrounded by houses. I mean, yep. for better or worse, I mean, I dealt with the same thing at the, you know, like I said, 15 years in aviation, and I ran dispatch for a number of years, and I'd get phone calls every morning from people. Your jets kept me awake all night. Okay, you live next to an airport. <laughs> yeah, what'd you expect? How long have you lived there? And they'd be like, oh, two years, three years. And I'm like, oh, you realize this business has been in operation for 36 years, 24 7, 365. <laughs> yep. Did you think we were going to shut down this operation because you bought a house next door? Yep. That's like the, uh, I forget the the owner of the drag strip. I got talking, Snyder. I got talking to him one day and I was mentioned, I was at the gas station. He was, I was like, yeah, I'm right down the road from the drag strip. And this, and he goes, oh, yeah. I was, yeah, the other night, you guys, I was out having a fire, and you guys were ripping. Uh, I could hear you for a while, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he went immediately to, like, kind of apologizing, kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, we got an ordinance. Blah, blah. I was like, yeah. dude, I moved to, I know what I moved here. But yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I was like, I'm not That's giving you I, shit. when I bought the house down. I was like, I appreciate it. I was like, I sat out there probably an extra hour because 
I was listening to what was going on down there. Yeah, when I got the house right up the road from the drag strip. And yeah. I, I knew the, the owners at that time. They said, and other people, oh, I wouldn't buy a house right there. The drag strip's right there. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's music to my yeah, ears. <laughs> every, that's every other weekend when they're there. You get Friday night, up oh, drag strip's going. That's sweet. And that's where I'm in my yard. And I, I just hear that note. And it's I just want to hear RPM. And it's like, oh, okay, that was sick. I don't know. You know, I have no clue what just ran. But I could hear it. And I go... That was fast. Whatever it was, I can yep. hear it. <laughs> well, dope. I'm but super. No, um, uh, other than that, I, yeah, going into this year, I plan everything back to normal. Hopefully, knock on wood, we'll be uh, you know longer getting some events up, back going. Pre runner invasion. I'll start with pre runner invasion, then round up, and then heroes on the dunes, and then of course take a go a couple hundred thousand more pictures probably. Yep. And, well then, if uh, so, people want to yeah get a hold of you through uh, and check out the stuff you're doing. They can check it out through Sandflix. If they want to check out uh, some of the hero stuff and the event stuff you're doing, yep, that's yeah. a lot through Facebook. Yep, we have I have Facebook page for both Heroes on the Dunes has its own Facebook page, and then the Heroes Operation. Okay, and then the HeroesOperation.org, all one word, all lowercase, is the website, and okay. there's a link for the website on the Facebook page as well. And then there is an Instagram pages for, of course, Sandflix, Dune Stars, and Heroes on the Dunes. Okay. And then uh, even, I guess, uh, some of the, if you're doing like buggy work, are you still advertising you're doing a lot of that stuff on the side? Are you kind yeah, of at a point? I, I, well, I, honestly, I had, I had an ad on Silver Lake Forum back in those days, but I've honestly never really advertised. Kind of a word, word of, of mouth. mouth from now? Yeah, I've always told everybody that I've had the best advertisement budget known to man. I get paid for my advertisement. Yeah. It's always been my work and my quality of work and knowledge is is what's brought me my work. So I have okay. never really gone off the plunge. I, I've looked at, you know, doing a lot of different things. Right now, I, I've kind of backed off a little bit on some of the maintenance stuff because I'm trying to do a lot of this production stuff. But, okay. But yeah, everybody always can find me on, you know, on Facebook under my name. I do have a Facebook page for SanFab. It doesn't get a lot of traffic anymore because I, I just... You know, I'm running so many other pages yeah, that it's kind all of over the place. by the wayside. But. All right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's plenty of opportunities to get involved with stuff you're doing. And, you know, a big reason of wanting you to bring on the show was for that fact of, you yeah, know, thanks this is uh, the really longest cool. I've ever gotten to talk to you. But yeah, for the fact where it's like. That was one thing about it. I was like, yeah, I'm like, man, I've actually, surprisingly, because I love your truck. You know, first, it's a cool old Chevy. You know, I like the trucks anyways, but. The, like yours and Baker's Rat Rod, I just unique is twice as cool to me. Yeah, yeah. You I know, mean, that's it's what like I was going a Ranger's for. a Ranger, Trying to be free runners a Ranger, and they can all be cool. And I love like Luke's truck and Tyson's truck, but when it's something like your truck that's so unique, you know, I'm I'm like all about different is twice as cool to me as you know anything yeah. else. But we've never actually. I mean, I think I got I, like I'm, I'm honestly I've never even really liked to look at your truck up close. I think I glanced at it a few times at uh-huh. Runner Invasion once, but I've ne- I had never met you in person, never said hi to you, seen you at the gas station here and there, and that's about it. It's like And that's a big uh, a big reason of me starting this was for that because you know you even mentioned like the Nick Watterson with his truck. It's like that dude's pretty much when I'm out there, I'm out there a lot. I see him out there a lot. Never talked to the dude. Yeah. See him all the time. I've waved to him before even. It's just like I've never had a conversation you know and very similar to you is like, you know, uh exactly I've got we're at Oh, we're about two hours and 40 minutes. This might be the longest podcast I've put out now. 
to the point where it's like I know two hours and 40 minutes now of history of things you've done and uh, yeah. gotten a lot of answers out of it. I hope that's yeah, I got a lot. lot of- I got a lot more if we ever want to sit down again. And one thing I do have to get back in there though is that we got to get back to the pizza debate. Oh, yeah, been thinking about this one all along. I do I need to say pizza factory, hands down. You're on the pizza factory, um, yeah. I've been all around this country, and I'm still working on making a board <laughs> yeah. for that to hang up here. In the I, I'm big on my pizzas, and you know, nothing. I, I love the golf courses pizza, and, and the point pizza is good. But for me, hands down, Janice at the pizza factory is, is so. What happens if, if you and Ricky are hanging out Friday night and it's coming down to ordering pizza how's it gotta go um so every friday night or sat either friday it'll be friday night or saturday because every 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 weekend that janice is open i go there and either get a sub or a pizza yep i have to um while she's open so i will come off the dunes and i will order as i'm coming off the dunes i'll order carry out from from pizza factory yep, swing and i'll always just order like a, a large pepperoni and then i'll show up at rick's place and be like everybody knows i'm like yep they're like Pizza's here. And then Rick's going, I got to go to the point. <laughs> awesome. Dope. I'm super pumped you came in here. Yeah, I think uh, someone, uh, I think telling from this, yeah, we might have to get you back in here uh, later on for another one. For uh, We got probably plenty of stories yeah, I, we can keep putting out. Yeah, you get me going and it's. Yeah, I could definitely tell. So I appreciate it. Especially it makes- in the off season because I feel, I always tell people from moving, I don't know anybody really locally. All yeah. my friends are Dooners. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've found that too. It's like, yeah. oh, well, you're by all the people that are in the news. Like, well, all the people I hang out with, like on a side, they all live three hours away minimum, yep. it seems, you know, Everybody's or gone. in Indiana, Ohio. I, I feel like I live on a, on a deserted island by yeah. myself because yeah. it's like I after Halloween. The local this- population, you know, one thing I learned real quick when I moved here, everybody would be like, I'd get to know people through my ex wife, and they'd, I'd be like, then the dunes would come up and they'd just like change. It was like, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah, one of the dune people. Yep. Awesome. Dope. Thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, thanks for having me on a lot.